1: Uh, Sam's going to be the backup and, um, yeah, we're going to go with, with, uh, Nick and
2: Sam and, uh, and then we'll play it, you know, week to week as we go forward, but that's where we're going to go this week. Jeff, we didn't see Kenny out there this week. He's obviously missed the last couple of games. Is there
3: a chance he doesn't play again this season?
1: I hope not. I mean, he's working towards, and you know, he, he's getting he's getting better each and every week. So, um, you know, we're we're hoping to get him back. And he's trending he's trending well. He's working hard, trying to get back out there. So, uh, hopefully, he can he can get recovered and uh, get back out there and help us. I know we miss him. So, uh, but yeah, he's just working through his his uh, the progression of you know getting back on the field and and, and playing live reps. So, uh, hopefully, he gets there sooner rather than later.
2: Ball in Nembhard to Halliburton. Heal is on the floor with Duarte and Turner. Ten seconds to play. Halliburton crosses with eight. Now with a left hand at the top of the circle with four. A three on the way. Merry Christmas, Indiana. A three from up top. Halliburton. He has hit a franchise record 10 threes without a timeout. Miami to the timeline. Hero lets it go. Ball game. 43 points, a franchise record, 10 three-point field goals, and Christmas a day early. That was a spectacular finish to a remarkable performance by Halliburton. I
4: thought I <laughs> I don't know. I kind of blacked out for a second. I thought they had a timeout, so I was just celebrating. Then the coaches were like, no, 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 no timeouts, two seconds. So had to turn back around and get back into basketball quickly, but uh, you know, just excited, excited to share this moment with my teammates.
2: The thing that you love about Tyrese Halliburton is he's he's an actions guy. He's not a he's not a words guy. He's an actions guy, and this was a an amazing response, you know, to what happened last game against these guys. But he did it in the flow of the game and in the flow of what the team needed to do tonight, and that makes it even more special. Merry Christmas, happy holidays to you all. Happy Boxing Day, even though we don't really celebrate it here in the States, but love Eddie Garrison putting it on the tweet today. I am Jimmy Cook, Brendan King to my right. Thank you so much for joining us on a Colts game day. A lot of presents under the tree for the sports world of Indiana and Indianapolis. little franchise record three-pointers made set by Tyrese Halliburton going off the other night in a win against the Heat just before the Christmas holidays, Pacers in action tonight in New Orleans against the Pelicans. We'll update you on injury report on both sides as the show unfolds. But of course, the the main attraction of the day is Monday Night Football, is Chargers v. Colts. Is the Colts looking for a victory on Monday Night Football, at least as an organization, And for all the players and coaches out there fighting for jobs and for the fan base, it's a conflicting situation where you realize the other gift under the Christmas tree is the Colts are now in the top five of the 2023 NFL draft order based on where things stand today. As I bring Brendan King into the fold, BK, of all those gifts that were given or just received inadvertently for sports fans here in the state. Anything jump out at you the most over the Christmas holiday?
5: Jimmy, let me tell you what the best gift that I got this weekend was. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope everybody had a fantastic Mm -hmm. weekend. I know I had a lot of fun. Was in Chicago. Drove home late last night. Just because we're so committed to this show, Jimmy. We are so committed to this show. (laughs) Had the three-hour ride back late last night. But no, it's great to be back with Jimmy and Eddie. Uh, The best gift that I got was on Friday night. We had Indiana Sports Talk. I was doing scoreboard updates with the great Bob Lovell. And... Jimmy, there were zero high school games played on Friday night, which is a bit conflicting for Indiana Sports Talk. Sure. So zero high school games. There were zero scores to give, so it was a lot of preview Colts. It was a lot of talk about Pacers. It was a lot about college basketball, play some sound, that type of stuff. So it got to be about 11 o'clock, and I'm kind of saying the same stuff over and over and over again, one of those types of update nights. Sure. Well, you look to your right. We have a television in the Indiana Sports Talk studio. You look over... Here is Mr. Tyrese Halliburton draining a game winner against the Miami Heat. And our guy behind the switches, Eddie Garrison, sends me Mark Boyle's call less than 10 minutes after that game went final to eat up some clock on those scoreboard updates. It was people helping people. Tyrese Halliburton hit the shot. Eddie Garrison sent me the sound. And we had a good rest of the night it was a great Christmas present
2: always special whenever there are co-workers helping one another out particularly during the holiday very nice of EG always good to see Eddie on top of things as he often is and like BK mentioned a victorious joyful way to close into the holiday season for Pacers fans the 43 point night from Tyrese Halliburton tell me about your weekend Jimmy Weekend was fun, man. Uh, usual of gathering with family, ate way too much food. That's uh, that, that's the standard tradition, I feel like, for a lot of holiday gatherings. And then sports world, man. Uh, got to see the Pacers heat finish. Got to track all the different NFL matchups. Beautiful having NFL on Saturday. I know it's been a, uh, a two-week thing. I know they try also not to conflict or battle with the college football season when the games are non Bowl eligible, where it doesn't really matter at that point until we get to the college football finals. No, that was all fun. And then last night, um, with Sunday Night Football, Buccaneers and Cardinals, for the longest time, I have felt like that the Buccaneers were still going to find a way to backdoor their way in, not only to win the South, but to somehow Tom Brady turn it back on and they walk themselves into an NFC Championship game appearance. Every week, they continue to look worse throughout the course of a game, but yet they still are finding ways to win these games. So Tampa Bay, now a phrase that I can't remember if we've taken a pull the three of us, if we hate it or not, but Tampa Bay in a way back in control of their own destiny. They beat Carolina uh, this weekend and they're in the playoffs. So even as bad as things have been in Tampa, there's that in my NFL synopsis. But the other thing, BK, the other gift is because I can only I can only entertain the idea of a Colts playoff appearance for so long. I can only joke about that 1% for so long. But after we went off the air for the holiday break on Thursday, on Thursday, the Jaguars gave us maybe the best gift of all. Oh, it was which fantastic. is they they gave, they, gave, they put the kill shot and and the playoff hopes are gone. So, now it's just a matter of okay, you can sit back, you can watch how this team does if you're a Colts fan that is rooting for progress on the roster and you want them to play a bit of a role of spoiler, as the Chargers are still trying to compete for a playoff spot, then I respect that and more power to you. If you're on the other side where you realize this is a lost cause, and again, this is not the take of what the team's going to do. This is the take of what a fan would want. The team is going to fight. The team is going to claw. These are grown men that are doing this for a living. They're not going to lay down and give up, right? That's not happening. But from a fan perspective, there's a large portion of the fan base that would love to see that. So that is my biggest fascinating non-player storyline is how the team looks over these final three games. And whether you're in the Jeff Saturday camp or not, which my boat kind of left the Jeff Saturday dock after the Vikings game, I, I saw all I really needed to see. But if you're still on a glass half full on him, that's what you're measuring these final three days is what does he do? What 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 is... What is, how does he game plan with a roster that has nothing to play for but pride?
5: Yeah, I mean, this is it. Th- this is it. I mean, there's nothing else to play for. And I-, I do have a point about Nick Foles and how this is a lose-lose for him, and I'll, I'll give that in a second. What I do want to know, first of all, is you are wearing a Christmas present, right? I am. Edward, you are wearing a Christmas present, is that right? Si, senor. Uh, the beautiful people cannot see you, so do you want to describe what your Christmas present is?
3: I'll go on camera.
5: Come on over. Well, you got to model this, and then we will do the play-by-play. So Eddie is wearing a gray sweatshirt underneath what is a brand new Indiana Pacers number zero blue and gold Tyrese Halliburton jersey. Love who, it. Who can we thank for that, Eddie? Mom and dad. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Well, was
2: that your best gift, the Aaron Judge crown? Um, I got some new podcast equipment and some video games. So I, I there won't, I won't. Uh... I, I always love t-shirts though I'm always a big That's fan a good graphic tees are just uh you got uh radio audience can't see it it's a Aaron Judge t-shirt uh with Roger Maris next to him Judge holding the crown now as the AL home run king but yeah good christmas uh good on your end as well and again like bk mentioned, hope all of you listeners had a wonderful christmas happy holidays and that you you enjoyed the uh little time off there
5: yeah you know what we took a run over to my italian grandparents and at 90 years old, my grandma, who is all of about four foot eight now, she does not really cook anymore, but she was able to muster up some strength, and she made a big pot of sauce. Ooh. And her homemade red sauce starts with some fresh Italian San Marzano tomatoes. You throw some oregano in there, a little tomato paste, and a couple other secret ingredients, a lot of garlic, a lot of onion, and you've got some good sauce. So she made a big pot bowl of pasta. Love it. We had a ham. So that was great. Got to see the family from Canada as well. Happy Boxing Day to you too. So I I guess in a way I did celebrate Boxing Day because the Canadian family came down. But as I said, Jimmy, I think tonight and the rest of the season, because again, this is a week to week thing. Apparently we might see Sam Ellinger on New Year's Day against the Giants. We might see Matt Ryan on January 8th against the Texans.
2: That's how it might go. Would you be surprised if that happens? No, just the way they're talking about it. The way that we continue to not get a straightforward answer of who the quarterback's going to be. And again, it's hard to get behind it because there isn't anything to play for, but pride and for jobs and for Jeff Saturday, I guess if he's still auditioning for a coaching role. The consensus would be he's not getting a coaching position outside of Indianapolis right now, a head coaching position outside of Indianapolis right now. So this is his best doorstep to do so. And again, you can't really get into the mind of Jim Irsay. I understand it's tough, but it has to be just at least spoken into existence and talk about it for a second is what is he observing over these final three games? Because tonight, and you have two left, is Jeff Saturday still... Like, I think Jeff Saturday will be interviewed, but is that a courtesy? Or is there still... Man, the guys really came out with a lot of energy and they played well. And that's... Because it's different... There's not much consequence at this point, right? It's either Saturday is already in the doghouse of couldn't turn this team around, got a hand of the keys. A big task, by the way. It wasn't that was not a job that I think anybody would just jump in and take unless they really wanted an opportunity and it just felt right for them. And clearly it did for Saturday, but because they don't they don't look any different. Like initially after the Raiders game, I was like, all right, there's energy. They're like, there's whatever you want to throw out, toughness. They're, they look Like they have a little bit more pep out there on a drive-by-drive basis. And outside of the Minnesota game where a lot of fluky, like just some special teams magic and some other stuff happened there, the offense hasn't looked any better. I guess there's been stretches where you could argue the line looks a little better, uh, particularly Ryman and company. But outside of that, I just don't see anything different than what was here with Frank Reich. And I know that Jeff Saturday didn't bring an all-new staff. So he did take it on the fly. So maybe that's why you should expect it to look a bit similar. But does that bother you at all if you were making the decision when you make a change and it? There's no extra buzz. There's no extra feeling of this is the right direction of the franchise post midseason change. It just feels about the same.
5: Jimmy, you can put a car through a car wash that has been rear ended and it looks like it's (laughs) been through the ringer and it might be bright and shiny for a minute, (laughs) but it's going to get mud back on it pretty quickly. No, it's a great one. Right? That's a great one. So, yeah, you could wash a broken car, but at the end of the day, people are like, holy crap, that looks terrible. Um, So this is why, in my mind, Jimmy, this is a lose-lose. And it specifically involves Nick Foles. If he is the starter for the rest of the year, hypothetically, and they don't make any more changes, which I have zero trust that they will not, right? So for Nick Foles, this next three-game stretch... If he goes two and one, because art you probably need to beat the Texans, just so I'm sure I'm sure a lot of fans would enjoy losing out the rest of the way, Jimmy. But if you lose to the Houston Texans with Rex Burkhead as their number one running back, no Brandon Cooks and no Nico Collins, I mean that. That's the rock bottom of rock bottoms, Jimmy. So, Foles, let's say he goes 2-1. He finds a way to beat either L.A. or New York. And that first test is tonight. He would probably cement himself as the best backup in the league if he goes 2-1 here. He would probably be the best backup in the league. More so than Chase Daniel, more so than Colt McCoy, more so... Than Jacoby Brissett. And for some reason, Jacoby keeps on getting these passes, Jimmy, where he starts for six, seven week stretches, stinks, and there's people keep giving him opportunities. Jacoby Brissett has done nothing. He did zero this year with the Browns. Zero. They're not going to the playoffs. They stink. So throw Jacoby Brissett out of that conversation. He can't he can't play. But if Nick Foles goes two and one, he's gonna be the best backup in the league. But Colts fans would in turn be PO Jimmy because that's going to hurt the draft stock. So that's your first lose. The second lose is let's say full stinks. The fan base here would get even more PO'd that the Colts keep on playing this quarterback shuffle and they can't even get it right with the third guy. So that creates more apathy. People get more frustrated and that leaves you in a worse spot, even if you get good draft stock. It's a lose-lose, because either Foles is going to be good, when you a couple games, and your draft stock gets worse, or Foles is going to be bad, you get embarrassed again, potentially on national television, and apathy continues. So,
2: I agree with you, but the apathy thing has been prevalent and been a fear among the fan base and among pundits for the last... Four years as they continue to struggle in middle around and be a team that is either sneaking in on a wild card spot or being just competitive enough to in the division to make things interesting for a little bit and then fading like that's already here and they've continued to try to put a band aid on the wound that has been this team post luck right that I know people hate hate hearing that. But it's factual. that They have thought that they had a championship-level roster still on this team when Andrew left. And that is what it's been. It's been a Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid at the quarterback position. Everybody knows that, right? Everybody knows that is what's needed to be fixed. The reason why the apathy thing I get, I think it's a lose-lose, but it's a lose-lose in the interim. The second we get to April, the second the draft position is finalized, the buzz will come back. And then it's what the Colts do. I do because, as a fan, and this is what the sport does. Like this is what the NFL does. As a fan, it is the normal cycle of of frustration, anger, uh, acceptance. You know that whole the whole cycle there. And then eventually you come back around and you've think you've moved on from the Colts and you're and you're and you're ready to to try something new. And then the mock drafts start coming out, and then you realize we're the fourth pick. Stroud might be there. We could get young. It's what the Colts do in April and where the trajectory of this franchise is as the draft goes on and following the draft and free agency. It's what this roster looks like then that gets the fans back. If I'm a Colts fan, you really need to understand that while NFL players and NFL coaches aren't going to lay down, and again, I've stressed it all the time, they have jobs on the line, This is not a league where you can survive if you're not giving a true effort out there. So, no, they're not going to just lay down and punt these final three games against the Chargers and the Giants and the Texans. However, if you're a Colts fan and you go 2-1, and that's great. And that's a great feeling in the interim. Like, oh, yeah, we got confidence, I guess, going into the offseason. Oh, Foles looked fine. We can bring him back next year as whatever, whether it's a start or not a starter, whether it's a backup or as a placeholder. There's confidence there. Those are all nice feelings to have over a three-week span until you get to April and then you pick eight or ten and suddenly it's like, oh, man, we're back in the same boat we were a week ago or like we were to end the season. My counterpoint to all that, BK, is that why the Texans are no longer just a game that you have to win now. Houston's averaging about 20 a game their last three. They just beat the Titans. Yeah, it's madness. They just beat the Titans on Christmas Eve by five, I know Tennessee had Malik Willis, but the Titans are in a similar boat as the Colts in the concept of reeling and struggling lately and having quarterback issues or quarterback injury stuff that is playing you down the stretch. The Titans have dropped the ball across the whole season, but they've still done enough to be in contention for the South. The Colts have dropped the ball all season, and they've taken L's for the most part. So my my point is that while I would say, yeah, they definitely should beat Houston, Texans clearly are in that boat where we're not worried about the draft pick. I mean, it helps when you only have, what, two wins now. So they can afford to win some games and still probably be fine. But that's no longer a game based on this Colts roster where I look at and I say, dub. Automatic W. Because Davis Mills has looked sharp. Because the uh uh they're they're using a platoon. They're using two quarterbacks. Jeff Driscoll. Jeff Driscoll, because the Driscoll and Mills platoon has looked sharp enough to keep you in ball games. So no, I I said this Last month, and I'll say it again, this whole stretch for the Colts, Eagles, Steelers, Cowboys, Vikings, Chargers, Giants, Texans, find me a win there. Find me one. That's what I thought when when the schedule came out, and the only one they got was the Raiders game, which again, Jeff Saturday's first game, impressive start. What, they got the job done, and it was a, it made you think maybe the ship was going to turn around the final month and a half of the season. That hasn't happened, and I look at these final three games, and I have just as much, if not less Confidence in any W's popping on the schedule than I did a month ago. And to me, Brendan, like that, as a Colts fan, the playoffs are over. If you really care about this team, it's not going to fade. It'll it'll be frustrating, but it's not going to fade come April because you want to be a part of the future of the franchise. If they don't take a quarterback and they go with some random, like a we joked about it, like a defensive, defensive end defensive or alignment. something, <laughs> then, then be mad and bring pitchforks and stuff. But I just, I think that fans want to be a part of the future. Because they know where this team is at right now. And that's why it puts so much emphasis on April's draft and where things go. The teams care. Teams care about winning. Fans right now are like, "It playoffs are done. There may be a sense of confidence, Jimmy,
5: come April, if house is cleaned at the end of the
2: year. I don't think the quarterback's on the roster. I don't. like. I mean, like, like there's no... I'm talking about the general gentleman. And, and, and that side, too. But I just mean, to your point... There's plenty of areas you point to this team as they're not going to be I, here
5: next I year. Just don't, I just don't know how you try and sell a fan base after the last two years that, okay, the decision makers of the last two years are going to clean it up. I I don't know how you try and sell that, especially to season ticket people and especially to the Fairweather fan. The Fairweather, That's where you run into trouble, Jimmy. The Fairweather fan is really where you run into trouble. And I know it personally because you you take a look at MLB attendance this year. The Cubs were in the bottom third. And that's even when you draw 40,000 people on a beautiful Saturday afternoon, right, at Wrigley. The, the Cubs were in the bottom third. It did not take long for them to kind of get back to 2013-14 territory with attendance. And I don't think Lucas Oil Stadium is ever going to be Half fill, Jimmy. That just doesn't happen in the NFL. Usually, well, it's unless a tougher body, unless of work. you're yeah, unless you're Washington or Jacksonville. Those are different. Only like six or
2: whatever, eight games exactly. a year, right? It's, uh, ex- but I get your point exactly. Uh,
5: but that's how quick stuff can set in. That's a World Series team as of you know less than ten years ago. But they weren't buying what Ricketts and Hoyer and everybody was selling in the last two years, and then. Those same people keep on making decisions, and your fan base suffers. If the decision makers here stick around and keep up with the same bullheaded strategy, that's where you run into trouble. Jimmy, I did want to point out something about what you said, too, when it comes to the schedule and what the Titans are going through right now. Because the Titans fell apart. The Tennessee Titans of August, September, and October— are not the Tennessee Titans of November and December. Injuries have something to do with that, but those are the waves and flows of the National Football League. Jimmy, do you know, you want to take a guess of the date of the last Colts AFC South
2: game? Last AFC South game. The last division game they played this year. I would say September 25th. October 23rd. Still. Your point resonates. October
5: twenty third. Since that point, here's what ha- here's what has happened since that point. By the way, you lose to the Commanders. That was Sam Ellinger's first start. Frank Reich gets fired against the Patriots. Jeff Saturday's first game against the Raiders. The Philly game. Monday Night Football against Pittsburgh. The Dallas blowout. Bye week. The biggest comeback in NFL history against the Vikings. And now today, December the twenty sixth, against the Chargers. That's a long time. And you have not seen a division opponent a chance to work truly play kind of one of those two-point games or four-point games, right? Where if you win, you not only get a win on your record, but you might be able to help leapfrog yourself over an opponent. Of course, you play the Texans and the Jaguars in the first two weeks. But three of the first four weeks, Jimmy, were against AFC South teams. The schedule is the schedule. I'll never blame a schedule. When it's written and you get it, that's what you do. But Jimmy, that's unacceptable. Uh,
2: that that's completely unacceptable. It, it, the division set up, and I and I I meant to go back and look at this because I wanted to compare it to the rest of the league. Because the Colts, the last two years, the Titans games were both off the board by the time we got into October. Like by the time we got to the end of October, the Titans games were already done, and it, it, that it, was just a helpless feeling. Right, because at that point you're not only having to rely on the Colts, which they should be able to do this as an NFL franchise, but you're no you're no longer relying on the Colts just to take care of business the rest of their schedule. You're needing the Titans to stumble and fall, right? You, you've put yourself behind the eight ball already, and that is the blessing and the curse of having early division games. Flip side of the Titans, I, I need to check this to see where they've been at in terms of division matchups, but they would have played the Colts twice, right? They would have had that same thorn in their side, so to speak, of having to go through divisional opponents right away and having a big gap like that in between matchups. Their last one was October, over that same stretch, they had a division game October 30th. Their next one was December 11th. So, similar boat, but the point is, the South is one of those divisions where if you start slow, even though the South is terrible, if you start slow in division games, you're going to be chasing from behind the rest of the year and the Colts failed to catch up in that race. And not only that, they let the Jaguars leapfrog them Yeah, in the season series and in the chase for the South.
5: YouTube chat, I'm not blaming the schedule for how bad the Colts are. The Colts are a terrible football team, but something in the NFL has to change. If you you have one division game from Halloween to New Year's Day, that's unacceptable. The voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, is going to join us next. I'm Brendan King with Jimmy Cook. Eddie Garrison is here. We are with you all week long enjoying the holidays together. Coming back next on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
5: I'm Brendan King with Jimmy Cook and Eddie Garrison. Day after Christmas, we are hanging with you all week, by the way, as we get you to N.Y.E. Hope everybody had a spectacular holiday. On the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fisher's and the MowerShop.com for all your snowblowers, commercial and residential mowers, plus service and power tools. We are always glad to be joined by the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers. That is Don Fisher. Fish, nice to go into the Christmas break with a couple dubs against Elon and Kennesaw State. Hope you had a terrific holiday. How are you doing? <laughs>
0: Uh, It was fun and not, well, it's not technically over yet because I guess today technically is still a holiday, but nevertheless, uh, we had a great weekend and a lot of family and everybody was here at our place so it was really special
5: fish you've been around the game for a long long time and you know you've called a lot of seasons of college basketball regardless of who you're playing when you can go into an elongated break because again indiana does not play until january the 5th that feels like an eternity at iowa when you can go into the break with two big wins just what does that do for the confidence and the composure of a basketball team
0: well, I, you know, obviously I think it helps. There's no question about that. Coming off those two uh, difficult losses to Arizona and Kansas back-to-back and having lost three of their last four prior to the two ball games that they just played, you need to get that confidence level back a little bit. And certainly they were able to establish that against Elon and Kennesaw State. I don't think there's much doubt about that. They've also had three days, I think, to – uh, enjoy their families and and spend the Christmas holiday with uh, friends and loved ones, and uh, they'll be back at it. I think tomorrow uh, we'll be when everybody gets back and they'll start practicing. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I think the, just getting the confidence back a little bit for these guys was very important.
2: Don, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you. Uh, to kind of follow up with that, I know you're not going to be able to get a pulse for this until we get into the meat of. Big Ten play when you're comparing, obviously, Kennesaw State and Elon uh, to what the Hoosiers are going to deal with on a night-in, night-out basis. But your initial takeaways with how IU looked without Xavier Johnson, uh, just two games now with him being out indefinitely.
0: Well, I think there's no question it's it's going to be a, a transition. It's going to be a different. Uh, I think they're still looking for a lot of different things at this point. Uh, obviously, Trey Galloway started those two ball games that uh, Xavier missed uh, since his injury, and uh, I think he's done a nice job. And there's no question he's going to have a lot more pressure put on him in that regard. Um, and I, I don't think there's any question. There's still this team has still got a lot to to learn. Um, more than anything else, Jimmy, right now, in my opinion, this ball club needs to understand going into every ball game, no matter who you're playing you have to have at least matching intensity or better the intensity level than the other team. And I think that's one of the things that's been missing in these losses that they've had. When you looked at the Xavier ball game that Indiana played and won at Xavier uh, earlier in the year, you saw Indiana go into that ball game and they had a huge energy at the very beginning that matched everything that Xavier put on the floor. And I don't think we've seen that since uh, that contest. I, I think Indiana has. I don't want to say these guys are casual or relaxed, but there just hasn't been that same kind of an intensity level going into each and every contest. And when you're going to play in the Big Ten, everybody can beat you, and you've right. got to be able to go in there with that that kind of level of intensity. We we're, And focus, all those kinds of things, I guess those are the buzzwords that you <laughs> use when you're looking for a ball club to, to get tougher. But uh, honestly, I think that's what's been missing from this team since that Xavier game. I don't think they've had that same level of focus and intensity th- since then. And I think that is something that they need to regain. And if they're going to compete for a Big Ten championship, they flat out have to have that.
5: It's the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, Don Fisher, with us on the guest line, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and the MowerShop.com. Fish, Kennesaw State, Tamar Bates really stepped up, led the team in scoring. Again, that was without Trace Jackson Davis. He got the opportunity, but, you know, 19 points that matches what he did against Nebraska. He had 22 points earlier in the year against Jackson State. What have you liked about his development as he moves into his sophomore season?
0: I, I think he's more confident, and obviously he doesn't have kind of all the things that he was dealing with a year ago. Um, he'd lost an uncle. He, he, uh, he, had a, uh, uh, he had a girl that's pregnant and has a, his child. Uh, they, he went through a lot of stuff last year, and, of course, he started out nicely and then he kind of faded away for much of the rest of the season and didn't really show the promise that he had throughout his high school career. He comes back this year. He's totally a different guy in the sense of how he's able to focus now, get ready to play. And he's had a chip on his shoulder about showing people that he is the guy that everybody thought he was coming in after his high school career, which was dramatically good. So uh, I I think uh, Tamar has really understood. He's grown up a lot. I think he's matured. uh, And I don't think there's any question he's a better basketball player because he spent the offseason trying to improve the things that he needed to.
2: Don, when you look at the Big Ten, I know you're gonna as you always do evaluate it on a week by week basis, but this is always viewed as the, the the standard bearer of excellence in college basketball. It's always viewed as the top or one of the top conferences. what have what has been your just big picture evaluation on the state of the big Ten? Obviously Purdue at the top of the top 25 and still undefeated, but just what type of Big Ten compared to years past that IU can expect as they get into conference play uh, next week?
0: I don't think it's going to be much different than what we've seen. Everybody can beat anybody on a given (laughs) night. I I think it's a really good league. It's it's got uh, a lot of stars in it, but it has a lot of parity from top to bottom in the sense of how good the conference is. There just isn't anybody that you could let up on. Look what Northwestern did to Michigan State, that kind of a thing. So, uh, I mean, Penn State is a much better basketball program. Michael Shrewsbury has done a tremendous job there. Purdue looks like the favorite right now based on what they've done here in non-conference play. I mean, what a terrific season they've had thus far under Matt Painter who continues to to just uh, continually roll out really good basketball teams that uh, surprise people for whatever reason. Uh, apparently they, they don't think uh, the stock of Matt Painter deserves that. I can't believe that they do, not but they don't, which is ridiculous in itself. But, I just think this is a really good basketball league. I think they have great coaching. Uh, they have terrific players. Every year, every ball club seems to come up with a new guy that turns out to be special. And I, it's a great league, and it's just a fun league to be a part of. It's cool because they've proven that they have been ba- uh, vulnerable when they haven't played their best basketball, and let's face it, out of the last uh, five or six ball games they've only had three or so that have been what we anticipated it would be.
5: Fish Mike Woodson had a media availability. I I forgot what after what game it was, but regardless he was asked that in the absence of guys like Trace Jackson, Davis and Xavier Johnson the guys that are going to get playing time, especially the young guys, are going to be the ones that practice hard and show him that work ethic. Do you get a sense when you watch practice, and especially in games, too, that a lot of the young guys are understanding more that the harder their play, the more time they're going to see the floor?
0: I think there is that. I mean, the young guys, especially guys like C.J. Gunn and Caleb Banks uh, that haven't seen as much playing time as the other two freshmen. And obviously, Tamar Bates is just a sophomore in this ball club. I think the younger guys are figuring that part of it out. I think the number one thing, of now, is they under have to understand how hard and how well they have to play at the defensive end of the floor first. That is Mike Woodson's mo. He wants defense first. The other stuff is the fun stuff, the scoring and all those kinds of things. And uh, if you can't play the defensive end of the floor your playing time is simply going to be limited. And I think they do understand that, especially the freshmen and the the younger guys that haven't played as many minutes uh, going into this season. And that's all part of learning. and That's all part of the growing process as a college basketball player, especially when you're at a place like Indiana where defense has always been one of the things that everybody's talked about first, generally speaking, and I would say that in the absence of Tom Crean's era, because, of course, he was very much an offensive guy first, um, and always his teams were very good offensively, sometimes a little question mark defensively. So, And I, I'm not sure that they were much better in the Archie Miller era in regard to those scenarios as well. So uh, right now, I think this team understands defense is the first priority, and if they can't play good defense, they're not going to play.
2: Don, I know you might not know the answer to this. So if you do, you can just, you know, give me a, I don't know, Jimmy, I haven't got a chance to ask that question. It's totally fine. But obviously it seemed like precautionary reason just holding out Trace Jackson Davis against Kennesaw, Kennesaw State and Elon. Is that the, is that the understanding amongst IU that it's just, it's an extended absence? I know he's dealing with the back, but just let him rest for a little bit. And then hopefully he's available once we get in the meat and potatoes, the big 10.
0: Yep, I don't think there's any question that that's the scenario they're dealing with right now. I don't think anybody thinks that this is a long-term issue uh, in regards to back problems, whatever they might be. I think uh, there's just a precautionary scenario that they're taking place at this juncture because if it's going to be something that becomes chronic, that's the last thing you want. Uh, it's going to be a problem all year long. And I think throughout this period, even this two-week period where they're not playing games, they are just going to be practicing. I think he's probably going to be limited there, too, uh, unless he shows that he's fully ready to go. I think right now that's the biggest concern that this team has. They've got to get him back healthy again.
5: Don Fisher, the voice of the Indiana Hoosiers, taking some time with us. IU gets set to take on Iowa. That's on January the 5th, a little Christmas break and New Year's break for the Hoosiers. Don, hope you had a great Christmas. Enjoy the holiday season. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Fish. Thanks guys for having me. Appreciate it. See Thanks, Fish. Voice of the Hoosiers, Don Fisher on the hotline. Brought to you by the Mower Shop in Fishers and TheMowerShop.com. dot Brendan King, Jimmy Cook.
2: I saw it too. Are we waiting until the break, or do we want to? Do you want to do it now?
5: D- Am I the only one that? There's, there's some breaking going news out?
2: that came across the line. It's not culture related though, but it's breaking I, news. The world, of the NFL. Why did
5: I not get get a
2: notification? I don't know. Your it- phone sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, do you wanna do you wanna drop it? No, we're gonna do it after the break. All right, all right. We're gonna do it after the break. Big I, news. I
5: wait. Oh yeah. there it is. There you go.
2: We're gonna do it after the break.
5: Brendan King, Jimmy Cook, Eddie Garrison. Breaking news next on the fan.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
5: Well done, Mr. Garrison! Edward, would you like to break the news from the command center?
3: I, wait, I Dang it, I forgot the sounder. Uh, but it is official, official... The Denver Broncos have announced now that they have fired Nathaniel Hackett as their head coach after not even a f- completion of one year.
2: Couple things. First, there were a handful of blunders early on, in, particularly the clock management side of things for Nathaniel Hackett very early with this team. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, this was his first head coaching opportunity. Yep. Um, I didn't love the hire to begin with, but whatever that Broncos is going to do what they do this is great that they have a scapegoat they can put all this on the larger issue and while they are a flawed team in general the way that they've been put together is Russell Wilson and they can't cut him they can't Bronco's do that's right exactly baby. they can't do it because if they cut him it is a like 107 or 124 million dollar cap hit next year they they are trapped dead cap they are trapped Reasonably, at least until 2026, unless 49 million dollars is comfortable against the cap, at which point 2025 is the earliest they can do it. They have numbers of 107 and 85 million dollars that would hit the cap if they were to part ways and say, "Yeah, we're we're done with you." So they're they're screwed. Like they, they Denver, unless Russell Wilson gets a resurgence this off season, they're toast. They gambled, which there are people in this. Not, I'm not saying like hosts, but there were fans and a pulse of the fan base that wanted Russell Wilson here, that wanted him under center for Indianapolis to be the next quarterback of the Colts. Do they have the assets to actually get that done? I don't really know if they could have matched what Denver gave up. Probably not. But Denver lost draft capital, and they're trapped now with a quarterback that looks a shell at best of what he was in Seattle. So, look, it it's, it sucks for Hackett. Did he make mistakes over the course of the year? Definitely. But when you're a franchise like Denver that has won championships, that has a championship pedigree, that sold to their fan base, this is the year we're back because let's ride, baby. We're riding with Russell Wilson. And then it bites you in the butt. Somebody had to go. Not surprised Daniel Hackett at all. It
5: should be the rookie head coach that goes as opposed to the guy that's won a Super Bowl. Sure. I think you give him the benefit of the doubt. Wilson has been terrible. Jimmy, can we get a bathroom update from you?
2: Bathroom update. So, again, I didn't start this, and I really need to find the TikTok account that did because it's it's genius, just comedic gold. But throughout the season, a TikTok user has been tracking the number of touchdown passes that Russell Wilson throws compared to the amount of bathrooms he has in his home. He has 12 bathrooms in his home, and over the weekend, he threw his 12th touchdown pass. So, it either ends in a tie between bathrooms and Russell Wilson or he's able to rise above it and throw more touchdown passes than he has bathrooms in his home over the final two weeks of the season. So there's your bathroom update today this week, and that, that's what it is in Broncos land. That that's it. I mean, there's nothing like you talk about gambling on band aids or gambling on options. Look, I did. I think I did not think Russell Wilson was going to be this bad. Like, do you know? You know, BK. The audience knows. I'm a Chiefs guy. I, I was worried about how the West was going to look this year and expected it to be ultra competitive outside of the Raiders Monday night game and the two chargers games. It's been a, it's been a walk in the park yet again for Kansas city and Russell Wilson, again, just looks like a shell of himself. That team has some good weapons at wide receiver, but at the end of the day, not a big threat in the running game. Patrick Sertan's the well, best best corner in, in football. You could argue. I mean, he's phenomenal. Um, Patrick Sertan, is second. Uh, but outside of that, they're not a good football team. So you have to get rid of somebody. You can't cut Russell Wilson. The financials of it are too insane. Hackett's who goes, and that's just that's life in the NFL.
5: You know, it's fitting on Boxing Day that a head coach that probably can't be a head coach in the Canadian Football League gets canned. <laughs> but. I'm willing, guys, to give Russell Wilson another shot if I'm a Broncos guy because... Because you just... owe
2: him 187. <laughs> I'm
5: yeah, well, Go yeah ahead. I'm number sorry. one, number I'm one, sorry. one you got to write him a check. But no, because he, in a way, was kind of screwed from the start when Javante Williams tore his ACL. Sure. Really tough. I mean, the wide receiver core, it's been like hot potato with who's been willing to... Not been willing, who's been able to stay healthy. Because Judy at times hasn't been able to stay on the field. Cortland Sutton at times hasn't been able to stay on the field. Hinton, I mean, you'd name it, in their wide receiver core.
3: Lost Tim Patrick in the preseason. So, you know
5: what? I'm willing to give Russell Wilson, not a pass, but I'm willing to give, if I'm a Broncos fan, I'm willing to say, you know what? Go out, make a correct hire, get a guy with experience, because clearly, as much as Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll hated each other, and that came out, when, when you pair a smart head football coach with a
2: smart quarterback, yeah. works it out. looked like good things happened. And on top of that, BK, the reason I'm hesitant for the pass and why I'm willing to give it to him, the times that Russell Wilson has looked his best this year, and there hasn't been a ton of those windows, has been when he's willing to use his legs, when he's willing to extend plays, whether it's picking up first downs or just extending the play to let receivers get open. When he has gone back to his run and gun as a quarterback philosophy that he had in Seattle that made him such a game. Like, even three years ago, you were talking about crazy, like arm angles or crazy throws the likes of Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes when he's on the scene or Josh Allen. Like, Russell Wilson was in that conversation. But he has taken away, and I know he's older, I get that, but he's handcuffed himself at times this season with the way he's chosen to operate as a quarterback. He's 34. He has a ton of guaranteed money. How much does finding a middle ground for him this offseason matter to allow the Broncos to have the dynamic quarterback they thought they were getting in this trade?
5: You know, next year, if they hire the right guy, I would take a serious look at Russell Wilson prop bets because they're going to be really cheap. Oh, yeah. They're going to be really cheap. Frank Reich? I don't know about that one. Let's ride. Uh, Coming up next, the... PA voice of the Indianapolis Colts and a guy that does a terrific job covering the team. J.J. Stankovic, instead of getting his voice ready for his third down calls, he's going to jump on with us. You know, I'm looking forward to how do you practice a third down call as an NFL? P- do, you, do you go into the
2: bathroom and scream into the mirror? It's third down. Are, are you are you giving us your questions beforehand? Or are you letting JJ prep well, for these? He's prep? got two.
3: He's got two kids, so uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that's. You that's think where they he scream it at him and then yeah. he, he, he
2: yells it back. Uh,
5: Nathaniel Hackett has been canned by the Broncos. They stink. Who is the biggest disaster in the NFL? That's actually a really good question. We, we might talk about that later. For now, next JJ Stankovitz joins us here on the Fan.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Welcome back to the Fan Midday Show. Jimmy Cook and Brendan King coming to you all week long. We get you set for the transition between Christmas into New Year's. Our next guest via the Motor Shop in Fishers hotline and Motorshop.com is one J.J. Stankovitz, a friend of the show and a member of the Colts Media staff that we always appreciate having on, as well as the PA Voice of your Indianapolis Colts, uh, JJ Brennan was joking about it, so I'll lead off in this regard before we get down to I, the wasn't grass tacks. I was rash. Well, joking, it was a legitimate question. The question was legitimate, but the, it's third down. You just wanted to say it's third down. Exactly. Let's, let's be real. Want, I mean, everybody no, does. T- just, all right, listen. let clarify. If your life
5: dream is not to scream, <laughs> it's third down into a microphone pe- in front of sixty-five thousand people. I don't want it. But a booth of three. Yeah. Why not? Okay. Well,
6: but I get to, I get to scream it in front of Greg Rakestraw,
5: which is a real highlight. <laughs> oh, wow. Be Even better.
6: I get, I get to ruin Greg, Greg Rakestraw's eardrums 10 times a year. I mean, who, who could ask for a better opportunity?
2: <laughs> Any, um, uh, Monday night for you. Is, is it, does it, is it, is it special? I mean, I know you, you've, you've always wanted a role like this and we've talked to you throughout the course of the season, but, uh, for it to be a primetime game, obviously the telecast only hears you like during replays and, and such. But uh, is it special for you day after Christmas, little Monday night action as the voice from above?
6: I mean, even when I was, you know, in in my old jobs as a writer, uh, there's something so cool about Monday night football. You know, you you grew up watching it. You grew up staying up late on a school night as a kid watching Monday night football. Doesn't matter what the record of the team is that. You know, you're you're covering or you're working for. It doesn't matter the implications of the game or whatever it may be. Monday night football is just a cool event. It, it's really cool. I, I love every opportunity I get to watch a Monday night game in person. And now, obviously, getting to do the PA for it against the Steelers, that was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. It's it's a really fun thing, and it's. You know, it's cool to you know have friends around the country be like, "Hey, wait a minute, you what are you doing now?" And then to hear you uh, on the game, so that's that's pretty cool.
5: Love it, JJ. I uh, hope you had a great Christmas with the kids and the family. Uh, so, what you said I think resonates because it doesn't matter what your record is on Monday Night Football. You come to compete, and even though things have not gone the way that you would hope. Jeff Saturday, not sure there are more competitive guys than him. Do you think the team has at least been fueled this week by the chance to play spoiler and maybe deal a blow to L.A.'s playoff hopes in terms of what seed they get?
6: I don't think they're super worried about playing spoiler. I think it is more just like you were talking about. They're in front of a national audience, and this year in front of a national audience, I mean, yes, they won in Denver on Thursday night, but that game, you know, there weren't any touchdowns in that game. It was not exactly a showcase for the the Colts' offense. Then you go and you lose to Pittsburgh on Monday night at home, and then you go to Dallas, you give up 33 points in the fourth quarter on Sunday night football, and then in a national standalone window against Minnesota, you give up the biggest lead in NFL history to lose. I mean, the the guys on this team, their pride has really been challenged this year by their performances in these national spotlights. And it's something that, you know, players – have talked about you know Zaire franklin has said it multiple times like hey anytime we get a chance to do this in front of a national audience we know we want to put on our best effort because everyone's watching and you don't want to get embarrassed in, in front of a national audience that's just not something that any of these guys have any interest in so there, there is a lot of you know challenges to pride especially now that the colts are officially eliminated from the playoffs um you know, hey, you want to go put on a good performance when it's it's Monday Night Football? You absolutely do, and this is the Colts' final chance to show the rest of the country that hey, you know, we're we are better than the last couple of times we've been in primetime.
2: JJ, both from the accepted answer, which is that obviously these guys want to win. They're fighting for jobs. They're fighting for opportunities next year. Jeff Saturday is arguably in an ongoing audition uh, in that head coaching search that will ultimately occur when the season ends, but but switching gears to the players, what does Nick Foles add in terms of comfortability and measurability for this offense as they, they're trying to, to make a good impression but also close the year strong and, and get a couple of wins here down the stretch?
6: I think the big thing is arm strength, even going back to training camps. Um, it, it was pretty clear that Nick Foles has the, the strongest arm in that quarterback room. Um, he can still push the ball downfield a little bit, and that's something that is in his DNA. He is going to be aggressive down the field. And, you know, Jeff Saturday talked about it, that we've got to get safeties to be, you know, fewer, you know more than seven yards from the line of scrimmage because it's really hard to run the ball when teams are able to drop that second safety into the box and play a lot of single high because they don't think you're going to try to beat them over the top. That's an area where if the Colts can find a solution to push the ball downfield, it'll help everything out with this offense. It'll it'll kind of alleviate some of the pressure that's been on the run game. Um, it'll alleviate some of the pressure, even on the intermediate passing game, if you have to have safeties play a little bit deeper, that's going to be big. Um, you know, it all kind of goes hand in hand. And this is sort of the, you know, all right, you got one more card to play this year, and it's going to Nick Foles. Let's see if this can be something that can show, all right, this offensive structure is not completely broken. There is a solution to it.
5: JJ, let me pose this to you. Nick Foles getting an opportunity here. I know Jeff Saturday said it's a week-to-week deal, and we have clearly seen that anything can happen with this football team this year. Let's say Foles starts the rest of the way and he plays well. Does he then cement himself as the best backup in the league?
6: Uh, That's a good question. I mean – there are a lot of good backups in the NFL. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, those are two names that come immediately to mind. But I think any, you ask anyone around the NFL, uh, you know, to name some of the best backups, and Nick Foles is going to be on that list no matter how he does down the stretch here. Um, just the, the veteran presence he brings, the gravitas he brings. I mean, everyone who has played with Nick Foles, even if you haven't practiced with him a whole lot, they know what he did in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. They know. His career of coming off the bench and having success and putting his guys in the best position to succeed, um, you know, that, that is all stuff that guys around the league know, and, and they notice that. So I, I think the, the question for Foles going forward is what is his role on the Colts? Because I believe he's under contract next year. Yes, so, yep. you know, do you, do you view this as a three-game audition of, okay, hey, you're going to be on this team next year. We don't know what your role is going to be yet, but we value your skill set enough that, hey, we want to have you back. And, you know, maybe if it's to pair with a young quarterback, um, you know, having a veteran, in Nick Foles, who's been in the league for, you know, over 10 years, not, not the worst thing. Um, you know, a lot of decisions still to be made, certainly, and this is all just speculation right now. But um, I do think there's an opportunity for Nick Foles to show something to the Colts over these last three games.
2: JJ Stankovitz taking some time with us via the Mower Shop and Fishers Hotline and the com for all your residential and commercial mowers, as well as snowblowers, parts, equipment, and so much more. Motor Shop has you covered at com. You can follow JJ on Twitter at JJ Stankovitz, PA announcer for your Annapolis Colts, as well as on colts.com and the Colts Audio Network. JJ, looking at tonight and over these final three games of the season, what will this tandem of of Zach Moss and Deion Jackson bring to the table in terms of how the Colts are viewed in the running back room with Jonathan Taylor done for the year?
6: Yeah, I think the Colts liked what they saw out of Zach Moss last week. I know the the final stats didn't really bear it out, 24 carries for 81 yards, but talking to Ryan Kelly this week, he said he he liked that downhill physical mentality that Zach Moss ran with where, I mean, and and this is not anything that we haven't seen differently this year, but he was getting hit, you know, within a line or two of the line of scrimmage, but he was able to churn those into three, four, five, six-yard gains. Um, And that's something that impressed the Colts. They want to see a little bit more out of him. You know, Deion Jackson, we've seen a little bit more of him this year. Uh, Really good pass-catching, running back. He's got some burst to him. He's got some pop. Um, You know, maybe an interesting opportunity for both of those guys because those are two guys, too, who are, are, you know, that you talked about it earlier about, hey, you know, you, what you put on film is going to determine a lot of what your role may be going forward, whether it's with the Colts or not. Both those guys are auditioning for roles on this Colts team in 2023. They are both under contract next year. So uh, that's going to be something that you definitely want to keep your eye on over these last three games.
5: JJ, I know it is probably part of the game script on October the 16th but Deion Jackson had those 10 catches and be it they were little dump-offs or bubble screens whatever he had 10 catches for 79 yards now that Nick Foles is the quarterback and maybe Foles is a little bit more comparable to the traits of Matt Ryan as opposed to Sam Ellinger do you think that play will be available tonight for Deion Jackson maybe those bubble screen action from Foles those little dump-off plays?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that's absolutely available. Um, you know, that, that game against Jacksonville was such a, a different type of way to play, um, where the Colts had Matt Ryan drop back was at 58 times and threw a lot of quick game as an extension of the running game, and a lot of that was those dump-offs to Deion Jackson. You know, the Chargers don't have as menacing of a front I think as the Jaguars head at that point in the season, Khalil Mack is obviously a fantastic player, a Pro Bowler, deservedly so. But no, Joey Bosa on the other side of him, um, you know, maybe the Colts can try to get more of those downfield shots. But again, I mean, if, if it turns out that you do need to dump the ball off to Deion Jackson, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten times in a game, he has shown he can make something out of that.
2: JJ, to Brendan's point, and you kind of already mentioned his name there, but when you look at the matchup between, even though it won't be all night, Khalil Mack and Bernard Ryman, the, the question mark throughout the entire off season when you get past the the big elephant in the room, which is what's going to happen at quarterback is, is Ryman the answer at left tackle or yeah. do they go a different direction? He's looked better. Pro football focus has acknowledged that over his last, uh, I think four of his last five from your uh, game preview notes on colts.com. How do you monitor that in terms of your storylines moving forward? And what do you need to see out of Ryman, not just tonight against Mack whenever he draws him, but over these final three?
6: Yeah, Jimmy, it's a, it's a really good point because, I mean, facing Khalil Mack is, is another really stiff challenge for Ryman. And, and the Chargers move Mac around from the left and the right. He splits time on either side. Um, but he's got every move in the toolbox. Uh, you know, when I covered him in Chicago, it was, it was remarkable watching how he went about his work and how he set up his rushes. I think you want to see Bernard Ryman just play with good technique over the course of an entire game and acknowledge that, all right, yeah, Khalil Mack might beat him a couple of times because Khalil Mack will beat anyone in the NFL a couple of times. But over the course of, you know, 40, 50 dropbacks, whatever it may wind up being, does Bernard Ryman hold up? Does he, does he avoid penalties? Does he avoid getting beat one-on-one, you know, a significant number of times? And, you know, how does he do in the run game? He, Bernard Ryman's been pretty good in the run game, too, in addition to how he's been in the past game. And at the very least, if you're zooming out and looking at this big picture, if Bernard Ryman can continue to play how he's played over the last four or five games to close out the season, that's going to give the Colts a, a really interesting evaluation going into the off-season of what do you do there? Did Bernard show you enough that he could be your left tackle? Do you need to bring in some veteran competition? If someone falls to you in the right spot in the draft, do you still go out and get that person? I think, you know, before the Colts even get into that, you have to consider that every option is on the table. But there is a world where the Colts get through the end of the season, they go and evaluate how Bernard Ryman played and said, yeah, we think with another off-season of development, this guy absolutely could be our long-term left tackle. He's got to continue to hold up. He's got to continue to make progress. And um, the the best thing right now is that we're even having this discussion about Bernard Ryan. Right. And that is a thing that we are having this discussion about. Hey, he's playing pretty well. If he can keep it up, maybe that can lead to him being the long-term solution at left tackle.
5: JJ, in your mind, how special of a talent is Justin Herbert?
6: <laughs> I mean, you're talking about like the, the the pure arm talent and some of those throws that he can make, like that one... Uh, what was it last week where he was rolling to his right and he, he threw the game winner against Tennessee, just like this dart down the sideline that he's able to layer in between the safety and the cornerback. And it's just like, there, there are not many quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, in the history of this sport that could make that throw. Uh, He's, he is a remarkable player, a remarkable, just quarterbacking talent. Um, You know, it, the fact that the Chargers, with kind of a, a, you know some flaws on their roster, they've had a ton of injuries that have hit them. The fact that they're in position to make the playoffs is a credit to Justin Herbert and the way that he's been able to play, even in some of these games where it's been sloppy. It hasn't been maybe what everyone thought it would look like, but he's still able to drag the Chargers out of some of these games and into some victories that look like they're going to get into the playoffs right now.
2: JJ, in that same end, how critical is it for the Colts to establish a consistent pass rush against Herbert? I know I don't have the number in front of me, but I know that he's been let down in that regard of the last six, seven weeks of the season compared to how it started. If the Colts are going to walk out of Lucas Oil with a W uh, on Monday Night Football, how important is pass rush going to be in that formula to try to prevent the Chargers from clinching a playoff spot tonight?
6: Yeah, the number is uh, 21 sacks over his last five games for Justin Herbert. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. It has not been very clean recently, but the Chargers still three and two in those games. Right. Um, which, again, kind of goes back to just how good of a player Justin Herbert is. I think the big thing, you want to, you obviously, you want to get him to the ground, but if you can get consistent pressure on him and, you know, keep him contained in the pocket where he can't get outside, he can't hit some of those throws that just make you you know, curse and awe, Um, that's going to be the big key. It's going to be more about that consistent pressure. That's something Gus Bradley talked about this week, that, yes, the Colts had, I believe it was seven sacks against the Vikings, but in certain moments in big spots in that game, they were not able to get the kind of pressure on Kirk Cousins that they hoped to get. So sometimes those sack numbers can be a bit of a mirage just in terms of how consistent your pressure was. I think the Colts would take, you know, More consistent pressure on Herbert and only two sacks over inconsistent pressure, but five sacks.
5: Hmm. JJ, with how the Chargers use Austin Eckler, and again, their wide receiver core is just as dangerous, but just with Eckler seemingly being at a different spot on the field, possibly every play, is it concerning that the Colts don't have Kenny Moore tonight?
6: I think it's always concerning when you don't have Kenny Moore the um, second. He's just such a, a solid football player, especially when he's able to kind of insert against the run. Um, you know, Julian Blackman has been pretty solid in that slot role. He had picked six last week. The um, Colts wanted to find a way to get both him and Rodney Thomas on the field, um, you know, with Kenny Moore the second out. So, yeah, I mean, but that, that's a matchup. You're absolutely right to identify that, that Kenny Moore the second's ability to cover a guy like Austin Eckler in those situations would have been a really big asset for the Colts in this game. Um, Obviously, you know, with Kenny, he hasn't been placed on injured reserves. So the Colts are hoping he can still come back at some point this season with that ankle. Um, Obviously, we'd love to have him out here in this game, but hopefully he will be back in one of these final two games.
2: JJ, there's no guarantee whenever you're trying to solve the quarterback puzzle, because on the one hand, you look at young quarterbacks like Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert tonight, and it's been, a franchise that has gotten to go get a quarterback and it's a drafted talent and it's worked out perfectly for them. But you look at the Zach Wilson drama uh, in New York, Kyler Murray has had flashes of greatness and other flashes of head scratchingness, and obviously he's injured now. But when you look at an organization like the Chargers, who in terms of playoff contention, they were in the same boat as the Colts to start the year and a team that might be able to win their division, but we're going to have to play really well to do it. Chargers still have an opportunity. Can clinch tonight with a win. I guess it's a long way of asking, what is the model of today's NFL and what the Chargers have been able to do with a young quarterback show? as that a potential path for the Colts this offseason or beyond, depending on what they do with their draft pick?
6: I actually think you could make the case that the Chargers in drafting Justin Herbert followed the Colts example when they drafted Andrew Luck, where they got really bad for one year. And they moved on from the veteran quarterback who had had you know, a ton of success over the course of his time there, but still had a pretty good infrastructure in place. You still had Keenan Allen. You just drafted Mike Williams. Um, you know, you you've developed a guy like Austin Eckler. And then you dropped Justin Herbert into that, and all of a sudden the Chargers are good again quickly. Um, you know, It didn't happen as fast as it happened with the Colts with Andrew Luck. But I think that's kind of your similar comparison there that – Justin Herbert got dropped into a situation with good infrastructure on offense, good talent around him and was able to step in pretty quickly and and be an effective, good NFL quarterback. I think that's sort of the, the the thing you always need to look at with these guys is situation matters a lot. Of course, when it comes to young quarterbacks, it's not just how talented are they? Can they make these incredible throws in their pro day? Like Zach Wilson could it's, do you have the talent around you? Do you have the coaching infrastructure around you to make these guys be successful from day one? It doesn't always have to be perfect in year one. I mean, we've seen, you know, even look at a guy like Justin Fields, where the Bears this year are are, are going to be picking first or second overall. But you're seeing signs of progress in Fields after a kind of a lost year as a rookie. But I think you need to find that quickly uh, with, with these rookie quarterbacks, or you can't string them along like you could in the past where, you know, Aaron Rodgers could sit for two, three years, Phillip Rivers could sit for two, three years. You really got to do it in the first probably two years because once you get into that year three, then after that year, they're up for extensions. You start thinking about what their long-term future is with your franchise. And if you don't have the right pieces in place around that quarterback, it, it is hard for rookie quarterbacks to be that sort of, you know, raising all boats type guy. That's not easy for rookies to do. You only find a handful of guys who can do that. So, it, you know, again, it, it all goes hand in hand. You can't just have the quarterback, or you can't just have everything else around the quarterback but not have the quarterback, um, which is a long-winded way of saying this is not an exact science. Right. And it is, it is hard to find that, that franchise-level quarterback that we here in Indianapolis have been blessed with finding twice in the last right. couple of decades. right. Uh, that is not easy to do, and most teams in the NFL do not find that guy.
5: JJ, last thing from me, I was at home for Christmas, so it was rather chilly, and of course the Bears played that just tundra game against the Bills. You mentioned it in the interview earlier, and for those that don't know, you came from Chicago here to Indy to the Colts, but uh, I'm sure you were thankful that you did not have to park your car and walk in negative 30 beside the lake (sighs) to get in the Soldier Field on Saturday.
6: Let me, let me tell you that there are a lot of reasons why I'm thankful to be in Indianapolis. And, um, one of them, I guess would be, yeah, not having to park my car. Although the bears actually, they do an, in, in an, uh, underground garage. Wow. Only for
5: the A-listers though. <laughs> I don't get that. Yeah, well,
6: yeah, but you know, then you're not really tough. You know, you're not <laughs> walking <to the> a <laughs> lot. You're all the tailgaters with their shirts off and they're staying warm with hot yard Mara and that's it. I mean, it's, it's a scene
2: there in Chicago. JJ, last thing on my end, I know you'll be behind the mic, but obviously uh, kids have plenty of memories going to games and being a part of stuff, particularly when it's around the holidays and has a nice seasonal feel to it. We've got the blue out. I got a Colts light show. It's a great opportunity in general. If you're looking for something to do on a Monday post holiday uh, with the kiddos and everything, no? Yeah, absolutely.
6: Um the game sold out. So right. you know, tough ticket, this one, but I mean, look. Anytime, you know, how? I mean, how long did we go between night games at Lucas Oil Stadium? Yeah. It, take the take advantage of this. If you got tickets to this game, this is going to be good. I mean, the the light show is really cool. Seeing it in that game against Pittsburgh, it is it's really neat. It's a really cool effect that we do at halftime uh, and then for player intros. So definitely show up early for this game. Get in your seat. You know, go get a go get stuff, beverage, and uh, sit back and enjoy. what should be a good night
2: of football. JJ, have fun behind the mic. Always appreciate you taking time for us. And I, I know we'll talk to you as the season continues to unfold, my friend.
6: All right. Happy boxing day, guys. Happy, happy boxing day, day baby. JJ. Yes.
2: JJ Stegovitz on the hotline, brought to you by the Motor Shop and Fishers and the Motorshop.com. You can follow him on Twitter at JJ Stegovins. That's at at J J S T A N K E V I T Z. Make it some time for us on the Motor Shop and Fishers hotline. I love it. Boxing day. Boxing day. Got to, got I, I didn't know if we'd Canadian. get a reference outside of us. Yeah, I got to see the Canadian family this weekend, so all good, man. Indeed, indeed. Well, breaking news of the day, not culture related. Nathaniel Hackett out at can we, Denver.
5: Can we get the Vikings air, uh, horn for breaking news? I, I think we need. We've had like breaking
2: news three days in a row here. We we we've, so. we, we've dropped the ball. We need to we need to have some type of sounder. Ooh. But, but so that's the number one breaking news of the day in terms of the NFL, and then of course game day for your Indianapolis Colts as they take on the Chargers. Like Brennan said, trying to play the role of spoiler, Chargers can clinch tonight with a win. Also, game day for the Surs. So I was about to segue. I didn't know if that's what you were going on the mic for. Oh, if yes. you were going for, indeed, it is a game day for the Sirs. Surs Pelicans taking place tonight at. What Smoothie King Center or Smoothie King Arena?
3: Oh yeah, Smoothie doesn't, King Center.
2: Doesn't Boyle love that name? Yes, he always talks. <laughs>
5: a, anytime Smoothie they're down
3: there, King. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I'll
5: tell you what, Mark had you know. Mark is masterful at what he does with radio play-by-play, which is not an easy task, man. It's a, it is turning into a lost art. There's no doubt about it, but. The call of Halliburton's game-winning three against Miami. The flow of it. He didn't get too high. He didn't get too low. I mean, when you talk about it, when there is a radio play-by-play Hall of Fame someday, send that call to it because that is how you do it, boys. Man I'm doesn't sure miss. He's got like twenty. He does not miss. That's uh, yeah, how you the do man it. Does not miss. You don't want to scream. You don't want to be too monotone. He. It was just the perfect level.
2: Really, really good. We are going to talk Pacers, but not with the great Mark Boyle. Though we do hope to have him on soon, but we switch to the world of on the beat for the Pacers as a friend of the show, Scott Agnes, going to take some time with us next. So we get you set for Pacers, Pelicans, and also look back at that historic performance from Tyrese Halliburton in the Pacers' win over Miami last week. Scott Agnes comes to the Fan Midday Show next on the Fan.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
5: Oh, in Boston and Miami, this was playing for the away team. Pacers back-to-back dubs on the road. Road trip finishes up tonight against the Pelicans, but maybe the Zion Williamless. Less Pelicans. Zion Williamson is doubtful, per our guy Scott Agnes, who joins us now from Fieldhouse Files on the hotline brought to you by The Mower Shop and Fishers and com. Scotty, good to have you. Aaron Neesmith and Jalen Smith questionable for the Pacers, but for New Orleans a little bit more concerning. Branding Ingram already ruled out, as was Herb Jones. And as you said, Zion Williamson doubtful. How does that affect this game?
7: Yeah good afternoon guys good to be on with you first of all but yeah that that changes kind of the feel of the game right many in around the league want to maybe perhaps insert zion williamson into an mvp conversation both with the way he has been playing with new orleans being atop the west for much of the first 30 games here of this season so without them first of all the interest level much different certainly i think because the the allure that is zion the his uniqueness but then that changes kind of that that feel of the game when you remove their leading score and um, makes things a little bit more interesting for a Pacers team that is playing well, coming off two big road wins, and uh, has a mostly clean bill of health here uh, as we enter the new year.
2: Scott, I've asked this to the varying different people on the Pacers beat or that work with the Pacers over this Stretch, So I want to get your thoughts on it as well. Every time I feel like I have this team figured out, or I feel like where they're trending in terms of the lottery or being a playoff team, they, they make me look the other way and be like, wow, I was totally wrong on that. Where Where is your level of, of analysis on this team where they look to now potentially sweep a road trip and, and be still very much in the thick of things uh, within the Eastern Conference through a third of the season?
7: Yeah, the best part for us, certainly in the media, is they're always interesting. That's what you want. They're always interesting. They're always relevant and keeping us on our toes, to be sure. Um, Yeah, right now technically they would be in that playoff race and the more they keep playing the more they want to prove us wrong right like we keep saying yeah they're they're probably an outside team looking forward to next year even the executives there saying hey you know this we got to keep our eye on the on the future this is not about this year the short-term wins or losses we're going to judge this the way in which they're playing and progressing well they have progressed a, a ton we're seeing a lot of individual development with certain guys i mean number one you start with Tyrese Halliburton, who has completely changed the landscape of this franchise and all the players, he's just beloved in that locker room. And and I think those outside of it really appreciate what he's been doing. But I still believe they're not a playoff team, and maybe that will change too in a, um, towards that route even more so come the trade deadline here in mid-February because the Pacers have so many options at their disposal. But right now they have been playing playoff-level basketball.
5: Scotty, we were talking about it, Jimmy and I, when the Pacers beat the Warriors at home, the next five-game stretch, which was Cleveland, New York, Boston, Miami, and New Orleans, I said if the Pacers can go 3-2 and in that stretch, you could really get a feel of what you have on the positive side. But if I told you, Scotty, that you lose at Cleveland and then you lose against New York and you still have the ability to go 3-2 and in those five games, would you have believed me?
7: Yeah, I mean that this you would take this, you're absolutely right. And especially that Knicks game. I mean that things that right, they were they were up, they were leading, and then they totally hit a wall and crashed and and gave gave that way one away essentially, just the way in which they've played. And I think that's been one of the key points to the negative side of what we've seen this season is is in closing time, they're still figuring that out. Both who takes over, but also not forgetting to play together. I think that's maybe the biggest thing is guys are taking it themselves. They're getting into iso ball. They're launching three-pointers, and the ball's not moving, and that's been one of the biggest issues whenever they have lost because you talk about this last stretch of, I think, seven games. They've all been decided by six points or less. So they're not blowing teams out, and they're not getting blown out. It's coming down to the end of the game, and the Pacers are still kind of in flux figuring out everything uh, and, and the c- chemistry and the way in which they play, too, because we, we're seeing a lot more of Aaron Neesmith lately than we are of, say, uh, Jalen Smith. And, and right now, last year's first-round pick in Isaiah Jackson, he's been firmly planted on the bench. He had not gotten much playing time because other players are doing well.
2: Scott Agnes taking some time with us on the Motor Shop and Fishers hotline, the Motorshop.com for your residential and commercial mowers, as well as snowblowers, power equipment, tools, and so much more. The Motor Shop has you covered at the Motor Shop and Fishers and Motorshop.com. Scott, for the last, I don't know, four or five years, maybe more, the Miles Turner, what's going to happen with him conversation has been hand in hand with With DeMontis Sabonis, obviously they part ways with Sabonis uh, at the deadline last year. But the Turner conversation continued to be a point where, okay, they got to trade him. Otherwise, they're going to lose him this year. And then while we were away on the holiday, um, I I know you had covered it as well. But Shams Tarani of of The Athletic mentioning that the Pacers and the Turner and Miles Turner camp have opened up contract discussions on potentially a new deal. What has motivated, in your mind, this shift in that where it looked like either Miles might want to go somewhere else or the Pacers might want to cut bait for fear of losing him and knowing what type of player that he is? And where do we go from here in terms of their contract extension?
7: Sure, yeah. As you mentioned, there's a lot of layers to all that. First of all, I always say he was started to be included in trade deals in earnest. It wasn't five, six years ago, even though it absolutely feels like. Right. It was the summer of 2020 when Gordon Hayward wanted to come to Indy, when the Pacers wanted to get him here, and Danny Ainge didn't believe that Gordon would leave him and Brad Stevens, and so he didn't agree to anything, and then he lost Gordon Hayward. That's where he was first offered in in
2: earnest. I guess um, I meant so rumor so, mills to, to clarify, just no, to get in front sure. of that, but yes, yeah, I appreciate oh, you're that. you
7: absolutely right. I just like clarifying sure, no. that because of in general... People are like, you know, do the Pacers even want him? They've been, no, they really haven't been shopping him. Right. They've been listening to offers because there have been other teams interested and nothing, obviously, of significant interest and, um, you know, assets willing to be sent this way or they probably would have pulled the trigger. Where it stands right now, I don't read into anything too much in this last week because keep in mind, Miles hired a new agent. So if anything, it's on the front office and that agent to get on the same page with his new client to understand maybe is there, are there new priorities or is he going to try to go about it in different ways because there are a number of different ways this could go um, in terms of do they trade him because I believe they they have to either know that they can extend him or have a contract extension, as you said, or trade him because you can't lose a first-round pick as good as Miles for nothing. It's exactly the same scenario as Victor Oladipo was several years ago, which is Victor was coming off that big injury right and wanted out so they knew he wasn't going to resign with miles he's never said he wanted out he's never said that he doesn't want to resign here he just now appreciates how he's being played how he's playing in his natural five position how he's being utilized more and he feels more part of the team once again and, and to the larger point Tyrese Halliburton has changed the way that locker room and the team is gelling the way that the vibe of the team is Um, and and Miles is reaping those benefits. So I think all along he's been interested in returning if the price is right and if he likes his role with the team, and I think right now that remains the case. But it it does not mean by any means that he will be back because I'm not sure what number the Pacers would be willing to pay at this juncture, and maybe they don't either. That's what they have to decide on and then maybe bring it to Miles as representatives and see if they get anywhere.
5: Scott Agnes is with us from Fieldhouse Files on the hotline brought to you by The Mower Shop and Fishers and the mowershop.com Scott, sticking on the trade front, I think the other guy that is most rumored about is Buddy Heald. I love Buddy on this team, and I love how much fun, seemingly, they all have together and how he kind of <laughs> yeah. leads that charge. I mean, since he played at Oklahoma, I mean, the guy has been smiling on the basketball court every minute of every game. But is he becoming... Too important to the team that it would be too difficult to let go of him.
7: Well, first of all, I agree with your first point. You're absolutely right. Since he left Sacramento, there's that joy again, and he's a true basketball guy, and you can see that coming out of him. And I really like the way in which he plays alongside Halliburton. They've talked about their brother really brotherly relationship. You see him in disgust with one each other, uh, you know, during a play, but then they hug each other the next one or whatever. Like it's a great. Um, relationship with them in terms of buddy i think it all comes down to what kind of offers you can get here because um the other thing here is the pacers front office can't lose sight of the bigger picture this is not a championship contending roster this year it may not be next year and that's when miles or excuse me buddy would come off the books he's under contract one more season so there's not an urgency like there is with miles to decide by this trade deadline if they you know they could get through this season with buddy and see what the summer looks like maybe the lakers um are interested once again and why that is i bring that up again is more relevant um maybe than any other team beyond the need out there is buddy's agent was rob palinka who now has run the lakers for the last five six seven years so mm-hmm. there's also that long time history and likability with one another however there is something special about buddy rick carlisle loves shooters he likes the way in which buddy plays and i think the other thing he has been stressing about buddy and all of his players is let's not let's not get down on maybe what they can't do let's highlight and praise what they they are doing how they are contributing so there are times when buddy's defense is not good or it's it's not what they need But at the other end, he's making five threes a game. And I think that's, while in this development process, this growth stage, that's one thing they're trying to emphasize. But I don't think he's a player they're necessarily shopping, but I don't think you hold firm with him. Just because he just turned 30, he's going to be in a contract near next year. So that is someone probably next on the priority list that you would have to consider.
2: Scott, there were a lot of Pacers fans, just Pacers personnel in general, that were thrilled with the acquisition of Tyrese Halliburton, when the trade went down, NBA pundits across the board talked about how you know he, he's he's a nugget in Sacramento. This is a great find by the Pacers. You had flashes of of brilliance after the deadline last year, but now as you have young rookies into play, and you have a like you mentioned the chemistry across the board, even with Miles Turner and feeling more involved in the offense. Has Halliburton surprised you still, even with just how impressive he is on a nightly basis and the instant growth around this team, not just by him, but by this rookie class throughout the first third of the year?
7: Yeah, Jimmy, I think so. Uh, I think it's it's the ways in which he's impacted the team. It's I, I would say, number one, I'm most surprised at the level in which he's already had an impact in the locker room. For example, I was at the G League Showcase this last week, talked with Terry Taylor, who had the best showcase out there. And in general, we were just talking about the Pacers. And what he brought up was only Tyrese. I, you know, what's working? He goes, Tyrese, he's changed everything. Um, he makes things fun. He, we get along because of Tyrese. I don't think any of us, even the front office, could have foreseen that level of impact. We knew the assist. We knew his, his unconventional shot. But yet how frequently it goes down, um, I, I think it was still to be um, shown what he looked like in crunch time, how he handled himself, what his disposition, to use the word Rick likes, um, what he looked like in those spots, the, the other ways, in the locker room, and I think his, his ability to bounce back. Remember, he had a couple bad games, maybe he had that, one, that 1.0 field goal game against miami and then what did he do last game he bounced back and had the best game of his career despite the heat playing him the same way those are things that elite players do and that's why he surprised me
5: scott saw your tweet about daniel tice that he was at shoot around seemingly with a basketball and participating is it viable that he can play for this team this year
7: yeah absolutely i i think probably next month is most likely uh if fans don't remember he came to camp he got here a little late had a um covid scare which ended up not being anything just a false positive which kept him out the first couple days of training camp after he really didn't have an off season and that's ultimately what was his detriment is he had a bad knee that he probably should not have played on but who are you going to tell uh to not play for their country which could be for his last time and so he trying to trudge through that um the knee didn't get any better Ultimately, he and and the Pacers decided for him to have a a quick in-and-out outpatient surgery to kind of relieve the swelling and pain. That's what has kept him off the court for the first 35 games here. Um, But beginning now, he's starting to rejoin his teammates on the court and start to ramp up his activity, to which I think you could start seeing him maybe here in the next three or four weeks, late next month, perhaps. as He really wants to play. And and the other thing I can tell you is his kind of feel for this team in this situation has changed a lot in the last three or four months. He was kind of disappointed, right? And how could you blame him? Moving from a finals runners-up team with the Boston Celtics, where he really emerged and became the player he is um, through that system, to a team who no one was expecting to win 25, 30 games maybe, um, to now I think he's really excited to see where he can make an impact.
2: Scott, I know you kind of hit it on it a little bit ago, and it's not as always, I don't want to say covered because you were out there, but it's not as always consumed by the casual NBA fan because it's not the stars of today, but the G League Showcase, one of the great events that the league has to offer. You mentioned Terry Taylor averaging around 37 and 10 during the two game showcase out there. I uh, Just your overall, you said you talked to him and you mentioned Tyrese, but your overall takeaways from him and kind of what he is as a member of the Mad Ants within the Pacers farm system.
7: Yeah, this is a situation, Jimmy, where he just like several other guys on the Pacers was not getting any playing time and he wants to play. And also you want to get back into game rhythm, game shape, which you kind of lose when I think he had played five minutes all this month. That's nothing. And so even the first two in those two games out there, you could see him, you know, second quarter in, He's jogging back, you know, trying to catch, catch his breath. <laughs> right. He admitted he was gassed, which we've all been there if, if we've played. Is if you haven't played in a while, you are really feeling it. So, one, it's it's acknowledged that he's too good for the Mad Ants and, and is just trying to earn a regular spot with the Pacers. Like, I wrote even this past week, that should probably be his last G League ball. We saw him dominate Summer League. We saw him again dominate the showcase once again. Had the most points of anyone out there and led the Mad Ants to a 2-0 record. Um, but that's a good opportunity for him and others. We saw two weeks ago with Chris Duarte coming back from injury. He was able to play a couple games with the Mad Ants and find that game rhythm shape and really get the mental side of that ankle injury beyond beyond him before coming back with the parent company and the Pacers. But the, for fans that may not know, the showcase is huge in terms of a lot of trades first being discussed, almost – really every team has executives out there the Pacers, entire basically you know top 10 front office people were' all out there both looking for guys for 10 days um, evaluating rosters maybe for the summer and, and the key thing here is they're not looking for superstars in the G league those guys would already be in the league they're looking for maybe a guy that can be a rotation player for the next five or seven years or at least help in the interim with a 10 day contract so it's very valuable time for front office and for those fringe NBA players.
5: Scott last thing so Pacers and the Pelicans tonight but it's a back to back they're home tomorrow at 7:30 to play the Hawks and Scotty that's a game where Atlanta and Indiana have the same record they're tied for 7th in the East so how enticing of a game is that kind of some pre New Year's Eve action tomorrow
7: Yeah I love it because of the multitude of storylines too beyond what you just referenced I mean you got Nate McMillan coming back which is which I always enjoy you got the Trey Young for those that like offense See what he he's able to produce um, against the Pacers. You got the just, Justin and Aaron Holiday, who are both part of that Hawks team. And then for the Pacers, they've they've exceeded expectations on back to backs. Um, they've done really well in those tough situations, which is another area they have surprised me this season. Maybe it's fresh legs or or or, or inexperience where they don't know any better and just come out and play hard. So um, it's an important one for them tonight, first against one of the best teams in the league and then to see how they respond tomorrow against the home fans, which would certainly provide a boost at the Fieldhouse.
5: Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files. Scotty, we appreciate the time. Hope you had a great Christmas, man. We'll talk soon. You
7: bet. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys.
5: Scott Agnes on the hotline, brought to you by the Mower Shop and Fishers and themowershop.com. Pacers and the Pelicans tonight. That's an 8 o'clock tip. Eddie, when are we on the air? Tonight on the
3: fan. 7.30. Perfecto.
5: Eddie Garrison runs the ship. You will hear from Mark Boyle with the call. Pacers and the Pels from...
3: The Smoothie Center.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Smooth, is it Smoothie King Arena or Smoothie King Center?
3: Uh, smoothie King Center, I thought. Okay.
5: That, that is a bit nicer of a ring to it. Uh, we'll see what the Pacers can do. They look for their third straight win. They can end up going 3-2... and two in those five games with a W tonight. We'll come back, talk more. Coming up top of the hour, Greg Rakestraw will be with us to continue to preview Monday Night Football. It's the Colts and the Chargers tonight from Lucas Oil Stadium. Coming back on the fan.
4: It's game day. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: Gotta get the Soldier Boy going? Eddie Garrison, DJing. Gotta crank that. Indeed. Brenda Kane, am I right? I am Jimmy Cook. Thanks for joining us here on the Fan Midday Show. On a game day, of course, you're going to have little bit of the ride with JMV before it transitions with John guiding you through to kickoff with coverage starting here on the fan at five o'clock. But of course, no reason to change that dial because John's got you covered until then. And then John will take you through all the way until Colts pregame show arrives and ultimately kickoff. But kickoff, of course, Eddie, correct me if I'm wrong on this because you're producer extraordinaire. You'll have to switch over to our sister station, 97.1 Hank FM for Colts Chargers once the game starts. And then, of course, here on 107.5 and 93.5, Pacers Pellies.
3: Correct, yes. So we will have the uh, Colts pregame huddle starting at 5 o'clock. You will hear Jeffrey Gorman, uh, JMV, Joe Wrights, and Bill Brooks. That is on from 5 until uh, about 7 o'clock. And then Matt Taylor, Casey Vallier, Larry Overton, and the whole crew will have you covered for... Uh, countdown to kickoff starting at 7 o'clock. Colts pregame will start here on the fan at 7.30. Um, they will be simulcasted live for the Colts pregame, that is, on the fan as well as one Hank FM. So uh, if you wanted to, you could just turn your dial over to our sister station there from the very start of Colts coverage at 5 o'clock if you'd like. But uh, at 7.30, Pacers coverage will start here, but we will have Colts coverage until 7.30 on the fan. Again, I mean,
2: it's a shame the Colts are doo-doo. But uh, if this was a playoff contention game for the Colts, man, what a night! Oh, Still, yeah. what a night to be a, a listener of the fan, but also to be involved with Indiana sports, having both Pacers and Colts.
5: I mean, if if both teams are good, it's the type of night you dream of.
2: Oh, yeah, it goes right up yeah. there with uh, Pacers playoffs and and, and the five hundred. You know, I mean, it's it, it, no it, doubt. Maybe not quite that level, but same. From the same family in terms of excitement that you're gonna have on a game day.
5: Yeah, but I was gonna say, I mean, Eddie's got the station assignments, he's got the personnel, he's got the Smoothie King Center. I mean, we are you are on top of your game, amigo.
3: I gotta be. Gotta be with uh um, You got a big night. I do. It's a it'll be busy, but it'll be fun.
5: It will be fun. Colts and the Chargers tonight from Lucas Oil Statement. I did want to ask you this. And by the way, Greg Rakestraw coming up top of the hour. So Nathaniel Hackett got fired. Let's see. Actually, this graphic since the only head coaches to not finish their first season in the NFL, there are five of them. I don't expect you to get the first two. Lou Holtz with the Jets, Pete
2: McCulley with the Niners. There are two others besides Nathaniel Hackett. So I I, I know one of them, and then I believe if unless the tweet was wrong, I didn't see that same tweet, but I've seen one additionally. So I don't know if you want me to actually guess this or yeah. you want Eddie who is Take okay. A shot. All right. Um it's Urban Meyer, and uh, I believe. Ding. Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it Bobby Petrino? Ding. There you
5: go. Ding, 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 so. ding, ding. We have a winner. Oh, we have Jimmy. a winner.
2: Yeah. So Nathaniel Hackett. I had it was open book. Ir-
5: Ir- Urban, <laughs> Meyer, Bobby Petrino, Pete McCauley, and Lou Holtz, the head coaches in the National Football League, did not finish their first season. By the way, the Action Network. We are suing you for plagiarism. <laughs> I gave you a verbal meme on the show last week that going from Matt Ryan to Nick Foles is the old guy getting the same shirt that he's wearing on Christmas for his gift, and they just tweeted that picture. I declare plagiarism.
2: That's deep by your part.
5: I mean, I thought it was pretty funny when I said are you, it.
2: Are you going to have Eddie drop in a disclaimer about how the views of Brennan King do not necessarily respect the yeah. views of uh, Radio 1 and Urban 1, as well as the fan and its affiliates?
5: Well, maybe I don't know. It, it depends on what else I think. All right, before we break, who's the biggest disaster right
2: now in the NFL? Broncos, Colts, or Panthers? Broncos. Yeah, it's not. It's not close. More for so me. than the Colts. Yeah, because like, I have to zoom out and look at everything nationally. The Colts had expectations of be a playoff team. The West was supposed to be taken back by Denver and Las Vegas. And Los Angeles. And the only team that's shown they're worth anything, even though the Raiders have had a little bit of flashes, is the team coming to Lucas Oil Stadium tonight, and that's the Chargers. Broncos thought they had another long-term answer with a veteran quarterback. They paid him a bleep ton of money, and that conversation isn't over yet. But boy, does it look bleak
3: in Broncos country. Let's try. Eddie, Ad-
5: who's the biggest disaster in the NFL? I'll
3: go D, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. They're 5-10. They won last night. So, there's still the biggest disappointment. You're 5-10. Okay, you totally well, I think disappointment is to...
2: different from disaster. And they also have more excuses than the other two, I would argue. But I respect your answer. But I appreciate the take. I'm just telling you that's why I punch back, is that I would argue that there's teams that have had less injuries that have dealt with more disappointment. But you're right. You're a defending Super Bowl champion. To that end, Eddie, stat I saw, not about the Rams, but about the Broncos, they've missed the playoffs seven straight times since their win Peyton Manning riding off into the sunset. It is the worst stretch by a team post a Super Bowl win in NFL history.
3: They also have the worst record in NFL history by a Super Bowl team the following year. The Rams do? Yes.
5: A lot of disappointment around the league. Well, a lot of disappointment from my fantasy team when Cooper Cup got hurt. That was the beginning of the end. Yep.
2: Hey, I won one chip.
5: You already won? I got a chip
2: down. Congratulations, Eddie! Okay, Jimmy. Uh um, there is a because uh, I no one cares right, but there is I a, care. I know you care. I care, but there is because I don't know. I don't. I know we got we're up against it. There is a conversation in the two thirty segment about my team and concerns for tonight's matchup that I'll bring up. Then
5: hell of a tease. Greg Raykstra coming up next. Colts.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
2: Chargers Monday Night Football. Helping you in the first day on the transition from the Christmas holiday to New Year's. Thank you for joining us here on the Fan Midday Show. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Wish the same as well to our next guest, the Vice President of the ISC Sports Network, voice of the Indy 11, and in this particular medium, the postgame host for the Colts Radio Network, one Greg Rakestraw. Ray, Rake, hope that you and the family had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday, sir.
1: We did, and then uh, my hibernation is officially over. as of about 6.30 uh, <laughs> with uh, Colts and Chargers, and then That starts a stretch of 10 straight days of a sporting event that I'll be yapping about on radio or television. I wouldn't know when I have it any other way.
2: Very happy to hear that. Always appreciate seeing... You throughout the city, whether it's on the high school front or with the Colts for the Indy 11. And we'll get to want to give a shout out to ISC towards the back end of this. But first, sticking with the Colts, Greg, you, you and me and Brendan have kind of joked about this in a way the last couple of weeks regarding the state of the South. And you've stressed to us that the South Road doesn't matter with the Colts' ongoings, but just your takeaway from. The playoff hopes finally being put to bed, and, and this final stretch stay away from Colts, Chargers for a second, but just Titans, Jaguars as they push for the finish in a place that we all hoped the Colts would be when the year started.
1: Yeah, the math finally tells us what our eyes have told us for some time it's, this is not a playoff team. You, know, you almost had to include that caveat. Now, technically, the Colts have not been eliminated. Well, courtesy of the Jaguars on Thursday night, now we can put that to bed. And everything for this football team should be about, you know, 2023. I'm not sure that transition has officially been made. Um, You know, the injury of Jonathan Taylor makes it that way for him. There are some other guys where I go, hey, I I, I know what this guy's role is going to be. I'm not trying to see that player uh, again in 2022. Obviously, there they change at quarterback. It's not the direction I think I would have gone in terms of who's going to get the nod. But I at least respect something different uh, at this point, which we will see in, in, in Nick Foles. Uh, we'll see how that plays out this evening. But again, now there is no doubt. Everything and everybody can say, "All right, we're trying to put ourselves in the best position for 2023 as possible." Now with three inconsequential games left to go in this season.
5: Hey, Rick, inconsequential, as you said, but what can they most gain out of the next three weeks? Uh, draft
1: picks uh, would be <laughs> one of them. Um, or, 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 or lose them, depending on, on how it goes. No, it's, it's going to be a broken record, because you've heard me say it the last couple of weeks. You know, I want to see as many young guys out there as possible. As many guys that, again, you've got a good feeling um, that, hey, these are going to be on the roster next year. Guys are in their rookie deals. I want to see more Alec Pierce be featured. Uh, I want to see Mike Strawn and Desmond Patman be featured. Uh, again, because of injury, you're going to get a good look at Deion Jackson and Zach Moss. And, you know, let's face it, you know, Jackson's the guy that's been under contract at least one more year, if not two. So, you know, you would think Jackson would be the lead guy, but you never know. Um, but, again, I, I want to see I want to see the young guys pop. This reverts back to a preseason game, to be honest with you. Um, it, it is now. All right. What future building blocks do you have here? This is all data collection. This is all an, 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 an expedition mission, uh, you know, for the Indianapolis Colts at this point.
2: Rake, we talk about how over the course of the season that, or the course of the midway point of the season or so, when the firing of Frank Reich occurred and when Jeff Saturday was named interim, that it's an audition for him, but. We talk about also that everybody's fighting for their jobs and trying to continue to show they belong in the National Football League. For weeks and weeks, the defense has been the crown jewel of this team. And then, again, it wasn't all their fault, but they were spotted a 33-point lead up in Minnesota and, and gave it away. Gus Bradley regardless of what happens, coaching wise has an opportunity to reestablish this defense as, Hey, we're not part of the problem. And he has a familiar quarterback on the other side of the field in Justin Herbert, who he experienced matchups with while with the Raiders, how big is this matchup in general on the defensive side of the ball? And for Gus Bradley's group to remind everybody that, Hey, this is a defense that has been pretty solid all year. And perhaps the last two weeks have have just been a bad anomaly.
1: That would be nice. But at the end of the day, they're not going to be a playoff team. Right. So, 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 again, you always want to go out there and put on a good show, put on a good performance, not give up 33-point lead, not give up 33 points in the fourth quarter. So, yes, there is a point of pride as to how you go out there and perform on a week-by-week basis. But, again, it, it doesn't change the overarching fact that defense has not been the problem until maybe the last couple of weeks or the second half of games in the last couple of weeks. But I still think when you look at things overall in the big picture, you have more, not question marks, but answers. And knowing that the way you look this year on defense is largely going to be the way that you look next year on defense. Could there be a coaching change? Yes. Could there be a scheme change? Yes. Could there be a philosophy change? Perhaps but really, it comes down to, you know, the, the difference is going to be, do you bring back Bobby O'Karake? Do you bring back EJ Speed? Just what sort of role is Shaquille Leonard going to play? Other than that, the pieces as you have them constructed are largely going to be the pieces that you have next year for this defense. And so, again, that, that's why I revert to, I want to see what the young guys can do. Because even with the way they've struggled the second half of the last couple of weeks, I know that most of those guys are going to be back. So I have an expectation of what this defense can and cannot do into 2023, regardless of what's happened the last two weeks, regardless of what's going to happen the next three weeks.
5: Rick, I want to talk about the quarterback position and the future of it, because I know a lot of the decision-making and what exactly they're going to do is going to be contingent on the head coach and, of course, who is making those front office decisions when it comes to drafting. But in these next three weeks, as you alluded to, if you put yourself in range of making a top draft pick and they end up being a quarterback, I'm not talking about anybody specific, but what does this team need at the quarterback position? What do you want to see the guy do? What do they need to do well in order to turn this thing around?
1: Well, first of all, you'd have a coherent plan. (laughs) That is step number one. And through fault that is not their own, meaning this franchise organization, that plan has had to have changed now so many times in the last four years and the analogy you've heard me use is that you can only pass a tire so long at some point in time it's going to blow that's happened Okay, so now it becomes stop taking somebody else's free agent, stop trading for somebody else's guy go get your own guy Go, go get the guy that you think is the next quarterback of this team for the next 10 to 15 years. We had that in Peyton Manning with the best of all time. Thought we had it in Andrew Luck. Fate conspired where that wasn't going to be the case. You had six or seven great years, and that was the end of that. That's a very high bar for the next guy, and I'm not sure he's going to get there, but at least you have a guy that you can build around and know that his best years are in front of him. That has not been the case over the course of the last three or four years. So that 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 is the most important thing there. Now, secondarily, in terms of type of player, um, you know, let's face it, it's really not been an overly mobile quarterback other than last year with Carson Wentz. And so... Having a guy, and frankly, most of the guys that come from college football now are built this way. So I can state this. I think it's gonna it's gonna play out that way regardless. Um, you're gonna have a guy that's more mobile. You're gonna have a guy that's more of a of a mobile pocket sort of guy. Um, a lot of the things that, that we think Sam Ellinger can be, maybe a guy that's just got some better natural athletic gifts than than, than say, you know, what, what Sam has in terms of arm strength, size, et cetera, which you tend to get those guys in round one instead of round number six. Um, But having a guy that is more of the modern mobile pocket running threat quarterback, dual run pass threat guy, because other than Carson Wentz, you didn't have that guy over the course of the last three or four years when you were trying to find the best available piece and make it fit.
2: Greg Ragstraw joining us on the Motor Shop in Fishers hotline, the Motor Shop in Fishers and the Motor com for all your residential and commercial mowers, well as snowblowers, parts, equipment, and so much more. The Motor Shop has you covered. You can follow Greg on Twitter, at Greg Ragstraw. Of course, among other occupations, The post-game host for the Colts Radio Network. Greg, for the aspect to your point earlier that this team is pretty much what it is, there's not a lot that's going to change or, or fluctuate itself over these next three games or so, barring it just being a... Uh, we gave up type of deal. Does anything move the needle in your mind for answers to what the general manager spot looks like this off season?
1: No, I get I, The die has been cast at this point in terms of what this team's record is going to be. Yes. There's a difference in terms of where they are drafting. If it's four twelve and one, if it's seven, nine and one, that's a big fluctuation. But at the end of the day, do I think that makes a difference in terms of what Jim Irsay is thinking in terms of Chris Ballard, no Chris Ballard? No. Because first and foremost, the goal was to be a playoff team, and even above that, win the AFC South. We're going to go for two on that. We're going to have the next three weeks. And so I think what you're looking at is Jim Irsay has 15 days to decide, you know, hey, don't want to give Chris one more chance? Do I think this organization is – if that heading in the right direction is more quickly fixed by giving Chris and his staff another chance to, to, to build this again, or if he goes in a different direction. So while I can talk about things like, let me say data collection, in terms of what the individual pieces look like, in terms of what the leadership of the franchise is going to look like, I think it is all going to come down to the contemplations of Jim Irsay over the next two weeks. That's and 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 asking me to read that. I need a much stronger level of degree than I than I have to be able to do that. Sure. Um, so so again, I, I think it's gonna be him contemplating this over the next fourteen to fifteen days. And then whatever that decision is going to be, you need to make that decision as soon as the season ends. Like that needs to be announced either the last week of the year or January, the night of January the eighth, the day of January tonight, that way everybody knows exactly what direction this thing needs to go in heading into the offseason, free agency, draft, scouting, etc.
2: And the only reason I even asked the question, Rake, is because to your analogy about the the tire and just trying to replug it and replug it, I mean, <laughs> there's a there's a a large amount of the that decision making, as you all well know, that goes on the foot of the GM and goes on Ballard. So at what point do you no longer trust the guy that is making these decisions for your tires, right? At what point do you go elsewhere for that? That's the only reason I even poise it because obviously, like you mentioned, you can't ruffle through Jim Ursay's mind, but at the same time, Ballard's had a large portion of plugging versus getting a new tire.
1: Correct. And so at that point, it becomes the way Jim Ursay feels about it and, We'll see if Jim is available for comment between now and then so we can get a better idea of what exactly how the T-leads are going to be read.
5: Rake, when it comes to the guys that are due for new contracts, how much of these three games are going to have to do with the decision-making of the Colts, whether or not to give them a new deal? Does it matter, or in your mind, is the cat already out of the bag in terms of what they want to do with these guys can they make a difference in these three games for getting a new contract
1: you know there's 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 a decent amount of free agents it's it's not the larger names the heavy hitters the linebackers are the guys that you go you generally like what you've seen from O'Kara you like what you've seen from EJ Speed it's a matter of I and mean, this almost goes back to the Napoleon days where you knew there were some guys that hey your second contract was not coming here There was only X amount of big free agent dollars to go around. And unfortunately for you, sir, you're not going to get that here. Um, You're almost in that now. And again, what you've got to try to figure out is exactly what the health of Shaquille Leonard is going to be. If you feel confident about the health of Shaquille Leonard, then I'm not sure how much money either Okereke or Speed are going to get. Just because this is, even though it's a base 4-3, Largely, a group that plays, you know, a lot of nickel because everybody plays that these days. But it's also how the Colts are built. Their primary defensive alignment has been more four-two-five than four-three over the course of the last few years. You've got Shaquille under under contract. You've got Zaire Franklin under contract. I don't know, you know, exactly how much you'd like to invest, or what the, even the open market's going to bear for guys like Badio Karikay uh, and, and 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 for EJ Speed. The flip side, you know, that contract decision on offense kind of boils down to Paris Campbell. And, you know, Paris has been good, not great. But Paris' biggest stat is that he's played in every game this year. Again, I don't know what the open market's going to bear for Paris Campbell. If the Colts would like to bring him back, that is if the money is right, kind of like they did with Tyquan Lewis, you know, during the course of the offseason. So... You know, In terms of the free agent decisions, there's not the big headlining decision. There's just a handful of small ones that I think this team has to make. And obviously, the much bigger decision is, hey, who's your GM going to be? Hey, who's your your head coach going to be? Hey, who's your quarterback going to be? And then you get to those free agent decisions like that one.
2: Pivoting back to young players that you want to see more out of and, and see a true body of work for them. Obviously, he's had work all season, Greg, but Bernard Ryman, is, at least from a from PFF standpoint and just re-watching the games, he's looked better and looked like he's growing more into his own. And this is rookie season. We know that that'd be massive for the Colts moving forward if they actually do have a true answer at, at left tackle. But, but, but how closely are you monitoring how he handles matchups like tonight whenever he draws Khalil Mack and the final three games of the season? Once we take off off the board that you're not going to win or lose now, you're not really looking for wins anymore. You're looking for those measurables of, are these guys real answers to these key positions?
1: Obviously, it's important in the next three, next three games. But again, I I kind of think there's been enough there already where he is likely going to be your guy at least next year. And again, let's acknowledge, you've invested heavily in left guard. You've invested heavily in center. You've invested heavily in right tackle. Part of going back to last year where I thought it was a must for the Colts draft, they left tackle the first round, if no the reason. You need to have him playing on the rookie wage scale. And so you've got that now in Ryman if you think he's the guy going forward. And so important, yes, but I largely think the die has been cast there. And with knowing that he is still young to football, um, there is an expected jump for every player from year one to year two. I think it's safe to say he could have that. And so if it completely stinks the next three weeks, do you throw that in the pile of things you need? Maybe. But I would say right now be more of a lean to say, hey, he's your guy at left tackle going forward.
5: Hey, Rick, I don't know how much time you've had to actually formulate an opinion since it broke about an hour ago, but just your reaction and thoughts to what happened in Denver with Nathaniel Hackett.
1: Not surprised. I thought it was a matter of time. Um, and there are seemingly shorter leashes for head coaches now in the National Football League than ever before. But that thing has gone so bad and so far off the rails. And knowing that you and and I, I didn't think it was a bad trade. They made that trade for Russell Wilson because they had missed the playoffs six straight years at the time. Now that number is seven consecutive years which they have missed the playoffs. But think about how, how miserable they are. They don't have a first-round pick. And, cl- and, and the head coach was hired by base of the previous ownership group since that team just changed hands. You knew the writing was on the wall. You get housed on national TV when there's nothing else to watch. Other, unless you were watching the NBA game, you were likely watching Rams and Broncos yesterday. And the Rams stink, too. And they put up 51 on you. I'm... Um, I'm almost surprised he made the team flight. to be honest with you, Uh, because I thought I thought this year and that game were that bad.
2: Greg, how much can it be a cautionary tale? I mean, obviously, the Colts are they've made their own cautionary tales with the quarterback bandaid. But you and myself and Brendan, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like we're in the same boat of you've tried the veteran move if the opportunity presents itself, it's time to get your own and get young. But how much could this wind up being a cautionary tale of rolling the dice once again on veteran quarterbacks? Even though Russell Wilson still has an opportunity to redeem himself next season, he's had just as much blame as Hackett outside of losing the locker room or losing the sideline fighting the other day. He's had just as much blame for this as as Hackett, no?
1: I would agree with that. Uh, And again, it's, it's, you know, things change. Um, and, you know, from the Colts perspective, I understand the logic on every move at quarterback they have made in the last three or four years. Seriously, I get it. And I'll be the first one to say that I thought Matt Ryan was going to be an upgrade on Carson Wentz, and it wasn't. And that doesn't mean that Carson Wentz should have stayed here because I saw enough from Carson to want to move on from him at the end of last year. Let's not forget that with the way things have worked out. But things are cyclical. But yes, as you look back with the, with the you know, 2020 hindsight, this was not the year to go out and get somebody else's quarterback now, was it?
2: No, and, and I'm, I'm right there with you, though, on Matt Ryan. I, I really thought, and again, I, we could debate this forever. I I still think that the Colts failed him in a number of ways as much as he failed them in terms sure. of the O-line not being what they said it was going to be, uh, the running game never really establishing itself because of the O-line and because Jonathan Taylor's injuries. I don't know if Matt Ryan's done, but I, I too, thought it was going to be a successful operation when they brought him in.
1: Yeah, agreed. Absolutely
2: rake i had my first fire alarm experience at a high school basketball
5: game everybody had to leave new pal and, and and huddle outside before the newcastle new pal game so that that was an experience i did want to ask about high school ball though post christmas uh who in your mind rake right now are your biggest juggernauts come march ben
1: davis i mean ben davis just went to lawrence central one by 16 without the top two players so zane dowdy was out and and he was on crutches which tells me he is unlikely, it's possible, it's unlikely he plays in the Hall of Fame Classic on Friday. K.J. Wyndham, I think, will play, because uh, I saw K.J.'s ankle injury that took place what would have now been two weeks ago um, in the win against Cathedral. He's missed their last three games. Ben Davis has been fine without him because they're so deep. Um, ben Davis will play one through nine, one through ten, and they've got kids coming off the bench are getting college looks. Man, that, that's how good they are. Uh, they will play number two Penn, and Penn is a team that has some size, not the athleticism, but they've got perhaps the best individual player in the state so far this year, Marcus Burton, the Notre Dame recruit, the one time I saw him, had 37 and let his team from a comeback when they were down 21-1, to five and a half minutes in the game, to actually go out and win. So that's my schedule on Friday, because uh, I'll have those two teams plus Northwood Plus, North Davies and the Hall of Fame Classic out in Newcastle, the two evening games, can be seen on, on Miami TV 23. The morning two games can be seen on Comcast 81. We as ISC will embark on a, uh, a uh, torrid pace of 29 games in 75 hours, starting tomorrow night with Cathedral and Warren Central, and my first chance to see the Warriors this year. So looking forward to that. But it's going to be a hectic holiday And I couldn't imagine having it any other way because of the number of great tournaments that get played around the state between Christmas and New Year.
2: Paul Logan Memorial Classic on that list as well. You can follow Greg Rakestraw on Twitter at Greg Rakestraw. And that'll be like you mentioned, 29 games and 75 hours on ISC. Uh, You mentioned on Twitter, Rake will be a part of 12 of them. Uh, You said Miami TV as well as ISC, correct over this stretch. Keep following you and and ISC Sportsnet on Twitter for uh, times and viewing windows.
1: IS, just turn on isc sports network okay. and I'll be okay. it's, it's, it's that simple okay. um so uh three games on miami tv 23 uh, on comcast 81 we will have as i count fingers and toes live on on uh, television uh, radio we'll have 14 games on comcast 81 uh, all of our streams from newcastle and the uh, Phil Memorial Tournament in Kokomo, which by the way has four top twenty teams. Those are all free, which means you'll see those on Twitter and YouTube as well. But um, just go to iscSportsNetwork.com. they will probably be talking at some point in time between Tuesday night and Friday night.
2: Looking forward to tracking it. Uh, enjoy Monday night tonight. Of course, catching the post game show as well. Uh, glad to hear that Christmas holiday was well for you and your family. Happy New Year to you, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you in 2023.
1: That's good, fellas.
2: Talk soon. Thanks, Rick. That is Greg Rakestraw. And you can follow him on Twitter at Greg Rakestraw, the vice president of the ISC Sports Network, voice the the 11 and a post-game show host for your Indianapolis Colts. When we come back, again, in the realm of things that don't really matter, but I want to get Brendan's take on it. Uh, I have a fantasy football decision to make tonight. It involves Colts Chargers, which gets started, again, with coverage. Uh, Don't leave the station. There's no reason to leave uh, 107.5 or 93.5 as we get you set up with the ride with JMB coming up uh, at the top of the hour. And then, of course, countdown to kickoff and pregame coverage, all that getting started at 5 o'clock here, and then the ultimate game uh, between the Colts and the Chargers on our sister station, 97.1 Hank FM. We'll talk about my conundrum there. Give our thoughts and bets later on in the show for Colts Chargers and the entire slate of games around the sports world here on the day after Christmas. Colts Chargers Outlook continues. We come back. Jimmy Cook and Brennan King on the Fan Midday Show, 93.51075. The Fan. This is for you, Nick.
4: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
5: Bulls.
2: I don't know if he's from Detroit, though.
3: No, this is for Jimmy's opponent in his fantasy matchup. Oh, that's
2: nice, too. I thought it was for... Could be for a number of different people. It speaks to a lot of people, BK. All right, Jimmy, please take me through your predicament. So, again, in areas that no one cares about other than the fact that it's Colts Chargers, I get it. No one likes talking and fantasy, and, it, and I mean, that's not true. People like talking fantasy, but no one really cares about other people's fantasy teams. So, I'll preface it with that. But it is Colts Chargers tonight. Long and short of it is, I'm up six. He has nobody left. I have the Chargers defense. I'm not obligated to start them. There's no rule against that in our league. I can bench okay. them if I want. Um, Who, is he playing anybody? He doesn't have anybody left. It's over. I'm up six. The percentages is ninety five percent me, five percent him. Only way I can lose is if the Chargers go like negative five, which they've done oh. uh, twice this year. He's not playing anybody. He can't. He is over. He his team is done. The only player left to play is the Chargers defense on my side with a six point lead. So I have nothing to play for. The so question would be: Do I bench them or do I play them? And uh, my, I leave them on the bench. Yeah, that's my, that's my that's my that's my. That's no, my
5: you game. got a guaranteed win.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's over. He's got. To I mean, open. unless you just want to pound this guy. Yeah, and, I mean, and I mean, make a statement for the yeah. rest of the league heading yeah. into the championship. Yeah, not um, afraid. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not. So anyway, uh, that that is the one area of where I've, I've been because the Colts fans again. If you're a Colts fan, listen to this. It, and you're regardless of what side of the conversation you're on, whether you want the team to lose out, or whether you want to see improvements that are fine with them winning over these finding final three games that don't matter in terms of playoff hopes since those are now dead. You're looking at this game as an opportunity for Nick Foles to shine again like he happens to do uh, at least once a year, as Brendan has mentioned a number of times. And this is a Chargers defense that has been vulnerable at times to a point that even though Jonathan Taylor is not available and is done for the year, there could be enough of a mix with this Colts offense to where I don't even think I want to chance it because it would be they they would have to put up basically 40 points, 35 to 40 points and they have to get 400 yards of total offense for me to be up a creek because I started the Chargers. So does that seem likely? No, but it's also St. Nick on the day after Christmas and I I'm, I'm not I don't know that I want to want to test fate there. So anyways, we shift gears towards that uh matchup tonight with Colts Chargers, my fantasy football concerns aside, it is an opportunity for the Chargers to clinch a playoff spot. They were very close. Last year, came down to the final game of the season between the Raiders and the Chargers. Of course, the Colts opened the door there, losing to the Jaguars, so that didn't even matter. And now here is L.A. a year later, and this time in complete control of their own destiny. They take care of business tonight, and they're in. When you look at the Chargers and you look at how they've developed, J.J. Stankovitz, who joined us earlier, made a great point that I've never really put it into this context, but it is a great point. The Chargers, at the time of River's Parting ways with him still viewed themselves as a threat in the AFC. They were young, they had nice position players across the board, and they went into that season with Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback. And then he gets, of course, uh, I got a shot or an injection I can't remember from the team physician, it got him in the ribs or somewhere around there. I can't remember his kidney or the ribs, wherever it was. Uh, it, it, it sidelined him, he couldn't play. Baptism by fire, Justin Herbert. Welcome to the NFL does a great job in that matchup against Kansas City and then has had a very nice start to his career. Uh, what if anything, BK, does that it show you in terms of maybe the Colts still think there's areas where they find the right quarterback, they're back in the conversation. What does a team like LA, they have more resources perhaps, sure, but what does it show you for what could be for the Colts if they do in fact enter this rebuild where we're taking a quarterback and we want to be like the rest of the league, which is we have our guy and that's who's carrying us to the promised land. You, you got to go get your guy, Jimmy. You, you got to go get your guy. The, the days of...
5: Because you know how quickly things move in the NFL that somebody starts doing one thing and seemingly the rest of the league follows?
2: Ask Nathaniel Hackett about how quickly things happen. He'll, right. he'll be there.
5: How quickly things occur. It When one team in any league does something and it works, usually it's going to stick. That's the same case for something that doesn't work. When something blows up in your face, just as it has in Denver and Indianapolis with old quarterbacks not working, um, the the rest of the league is going to take notice. Now, does that mean you automatically want to put up with a young guy like Zach Wilson continuing to struggle and his confidence goes away and you have to bench him multiple times, that just comes down to the right drafting and scouting, Jimmy, at the end of the day. So I do think it'll be interesting when the next late-in-their-career guy is a free agent and he has opportunities to go elsewhere. Um, let, maybe, maybe Dak Prescott. Maybe that's a good example, because when Dak's contract comes to an end, you would guess he wants to still continue playing football. But whoever is running the Cowboys, whether that be Jerry Jones or somebody else at the time, because that's a number of years away. When Dak goes elsewhere, would a team be hesitant to pay him a Russell Wilson type deal? Because of the history that old
2: quarterbacks have had over the last few years. I mean I would be particularly on the money side the way that the like you can I'll poke fun at Nathaniel Hackett because again it, it it's in my end of the world it's a division rival right in, in Denver and Kansas City so I, I'm never gonna like not chuckle a little bit when things go up in flames but all things aside shifting from Hackett and looking at Russell Wilson we talked about it when the announcement was made that they'd fired Hackett that the Contract totals for Russell Wilson, you're looking at $107 million, $85 million of dead money if you try to cut him. Like Realistically speaking, they're not going to be able to do anything with him until 2025. So to answer your question, BK, right now I'm in the reactionary mode of this didn't work. You need to be very careful if you're a franchise that is gambling for a veteran QB. Because one thing just to pay a free agent, right? It's one thing to pay a free agent money and try to bring him in or not a ton of picks involved with with acquiring Matt Ryan, right right it's not at the level of what Denver did what Denver did is they viewed themselves as one quarterback away and they sacrificed pretty much the entire future in terms of the next three seasons of first round picks to go get him. it hasn't worked. Denver's side of things you're praying it works. I guess my argument is and I, I might be wrong on this because I'm not taking every scenario into account, Losing is losing no matter what. But in terms of financial flexibility and being able to, oh, we messed that one up. Let's go fix it this year, far easier to do with a rookie quarterback than it is with a veteran under contract for as long as as Russ is. Look at the Zach Wilson situation, right? Like there there's not gonna be a massive penalty other than wasted years. And that matters too, but from a financial component, you're not handcuffed to a guy like the Broncos are right now with Russell Wilson. You have an opportunity still to go fix it with a first-round pick and go get your guy. You know, I I did mention that next year you can probably get some really cheap
5: futures on Russell Wilson when it comes to passing yardage and touchdowns, maybe more touchdowns than bathrooms in his house. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, Maybe. we'll see. Possibly. Uh, Wherever Zach Wilson goes, you can probably get some really cheap stuff.
2: I have no interest in it.
5: Could Zach You're Wilson right, but No I, listen, could Zach Wilson be the next Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill was dead in the water, and I think it's easy to see that already Zach Wilson has more intangibles than Ryan Tannehill ever did. Ryan Tannehill to me, nothing ever jumped off the page. He was just a good game manager. Right? He just gets the job done. And he got into the perfect situation. In Tennessee, Zach Wilson has the intangibles. He's got a monster arm. He can run. His confidence is dead. As soon as he gets with the right coach, that's something that could be a turnaround.
2: It can be, and I and I'm the last type of person that's gonna automatically shut the door on on somebody, particularly a individual that's good enough to be a quarterback in the National Football League, whether that's a starter or whether that is a guy that is on the depth chart as a backup. Regardless of positioning, I'm not going to slam the door on somebody's career instantly, particularly when they're so young. But this is a Jets team that, again, in some ways, if you feel bad for the Jets, I don't blame you. I kind of feel bad for them, too, because they continue to be year after year after year a punching bag around the NFL like a number of other franchises. And they feel like they finally have the answer at quarterback with Wilson, and it doesn't work out. He hasn't looked great in the limited window of return after... Uh, Mike White couldn't go. So he got, what, a two-game sample size there. It's clear that that relationship between Salah and Wilson is done. So could I see him somewhere? Yes. This wasn't your question, Brendan, but if we're even remotely trying to speak into existence, and I know you're not, Zach Wilson ending up here, I <laughs> That's got to help us Because that, that, I, I want no part of that. I don't want to be a part of his rebuild of his career, but... Sure, I could see it because that's sometimes all it takes is the right system and a coaching staff that believes in you. Uh, but I also think that he's underperformed as well during the opportunities that he's had. Just my view on it. So I don't know. I mean, that, that is the, but that's the fine line in the league, right? JJ mentioned this as well. You go over team by team by team and the ones that are drafting, it takes time. It's not always instantly a Patrick Mahomes or instantly a Justin Herbert in terms of just being dropped in. Mahomes had a year, but still, when he came on the scene, blew everybody out of the water. It doesn't always happen that easily. Sometimes it still takes a year or two to build, and there's growing pains. Look at Justin Fields right now. Look at Trevor Lawrence right now. Look at, go back Colts history. Obviously, Peyton is an anomaly. He's one of the best quarterbacks of all time, but there were early bumps and bruises. That's what goes on during a rebuild. So I'm not closing the door on Zach Wilson, but from a Colts perspective, I I think it's time to go back to building and developing one of your own versus, like you and I have mentioned, like Rick has mentioned, like everybody has said, putting a Band-Aid on a team that is not a veteran away from being a championship contender.
5: And the, the thing is... When you go that route, Jimmy, it's up to the fan base to be patient. I'm probably from the least patient city there is when it comes to sports.
2: You're in that conversation, no doubt, if not the if not the least. New, yeah. New York's
5: up there, yeah. but yeah, with all the teams that have had rebuilds and championships, my city's not patient, nor are a lot of cities. It's it's not a requirement to be a sports fan to be patient. That's just not what sports fans right. are, and I get it. Jimmy, you and I love – you, me, and Eddie – we love our teams that we cheer for, but when you go that route, you have to be patient because the Justin Fields stuff in Chicago looks good. They're a three-win ball club, and they're probably going to be a four- or five-win ball club next year because they're bad, but they got the right guy. When you can see that you got the right guy, give us something here, man. Right. Right. Rake was just talking about giving second contracts to linebackers. That's the most exciting part of this offseason. Second contracts to linebackers. And I get that the draft's going to come, but the immediate part of this offseason is whether or not Bobby Okereke, as much as I love the guy, is getting a
2: second contract. That's bad sledding, Jimmy. On top of that, because the elephant in the room is still, what does the future hold for Chris Ballard? And Rake also mentioned that, which is, If it is a different direction they go in terms of general manager, that needs to happen. Completely agree with Rake. Again, if you're on the anti-Ballard train, or not anti-Ballard train, but if you think he should have been gone already like I have, then you feel a strong way about this already. But if you don't and you're on the fence, you would at least agree that a decision has to be made or announced formally at season's end because you cannot have... The ability to afford turmoil or drama around a crucial offseason in terms of the first step of a season or two of trying to build back to where this franchise once was. It is a game day, though, and one team at least had a playoff berth on the line. That is the L.A. Chargers. Monday night football blew out at Lucas Oil Stadium. Take our final break. When we come back, we will go over some bets and close out Boxing Day. here on the fan.
5: Listen, if Nick Foles is tuning in right now, Eddie Garrison is getting him ready to go at Lucas Oil Stadium. Nick Foles versus Justin Herbert. Monday night football. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman on the radio side, obviously. Countdown to kickoff at 5.30. 5.30. I get the nod from Eddie. Correct. The great five Matt forty, Taylor. Nine, five, yes. The great Matt Taylor and Rick Venturi on the call. Also, always cool to see Kevin Harlan here in town. He's doing the national radio with Kurt Warner.
3: Westwood won. He does the Monday night football oh, yeah. for them. Yeah.
5: I love I love Kevin Harlan on the radio.
2: He is one of my favorite announcers in the business. Um his versatility and particularly the radio side because of how descriptive that he is with a variety of different sports always enjoy the listen, always enjoy when it when it's him and Trent Green uh, on the TV side of things for CBS, but yeah, the radio stuff especially, and that's not even accounting the uh, the sticks whenever there's uh, uh, a, a fan, fan that runs on the field or a squirrel that's at the 40 or a or, cat. Or, yeah, name it.
5: If I could pick somebody to narrate my life, it's Kevin Arnold.
2: It'd be hard not to. Kevin in fact, Arnold. to the point that they uh, I mean, they, they've done that before, right? They've done it with Mike Breen, they've done it with, in terms of commercials where they're, they're narrating a project of something and uh, yeah, it's uh, as few as talented for sure. All
3: right,
5: post-Christmas, if you lost money this weekend, Jimmy Cook's got you covered.
2: The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is
3: my boy. way. This is how I win.
2: Can't bet with your heart. Gotta bet with your mind. That's why, they, that's why we stay with Monday Night Football tonight. Gonna get rid of the hook because BK, we hate the hook. What I tell you about the Vikings. Yeah. You warned us about What'd the Vikings. What I tell you about hook. the Vikings.
5: Yeah. We didn't know, you know how much I, it would matter. I, before but it did. I went to bed last night, I saw I saw <laughs> that. I was like, Oh my
2: God. It's gonna happen again. It is three and a half getting rid of the hook and laying three on the Los Angeles Chargers tonight against and Indianapolis now Colts. Chargers, Thank you, Arnold. <laughs> the governor with the mic drop there and in, in the same vein taking Justin Herbert. Over one and a half touchdown passes tonight against the Colts. We'll go to BK first. What do you got? The National Hockey League is quiet tonight. They are off, so I am going to
5: step aside and send it to Eddie Garrison. What?
3: What? I'm yeah,
5: clean tonight, I mean, boys. I, I mean, I,
2: I mean, I feel like with clean tonight. I don't mean wow.
3: To, I get booed. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard. It, uh, there's
2: something in my mind that's saying to send a boo your way, considering the, the harsh times what? we've given. Though. Eddie's
3: got like 75 bets. <laughs> I do. <did. laughs> yeah. Grab your pen. Grab your paper. Get your phone out. Write it in your notepad or queue it up in your bet slip. Got five of them for you tonight. Woo! Four in the game tonight, one NBA. I'll start with that one. Colin Sexton, over 10.5 points. I'm not sure if this is a trap line or what the deal is, but he's over this line in 21 of 28 games this year. Uh, he's increased his playing time and his usage rate over the last dozen games or so. He's averaging now 27, 30 minutes a game, which is what you like to see out of Young Bull. Plus, playing a really bad defense in the San Antonio Spurs that like to push it up and down the floor. Now, at tonight's Monday night football game, I'm taking Justin Herbert over 38-and-a-half pass attempts. I think that's how the Chargers will try and slice and dice up that Colts defense, and if the Colts are able to generate pressure on Herbert, a lot of quick throws. Over thirty-eight and a half and a half seems like an easy play there. Zach Moss under one and a half receptions. This is my favorite one on the night um, out of tonight's game. He's just not the receiving back. That is definitely Deion Jackson. Only one target since becoming an Indianapolis Colt. Keenan Allen over 16 and a half receiving yards. Uh, no Kenny Moore out of the slot, and he is by far the favorite target for Josh Allen and I think Mike Williams has a little bit of trouble was to find Gilmore and then the final one out of this game J- uh not Jesse Palmer Josh Palmer over 33 and a half or 35 and a half receiving yards he's cleared that in six straight games
5: Jesse Palmer Eddie Garrison's the next bachelor
3: <laughs> I think somebody would be very unhappy if they heard that one
5: No it's a TV show it's reality TV
3: not to her <laughs>
2: So, Eddie, with a a slew of bets for the day today, it is a beautiful Monday night action. Uh, BK, your final thoughts going into Colts Chargers. Ready to roll, Jimmy. Let's see what they can
5: do. It's Nick Foles time. And look, everybody knows this. Nick Foles will win you one game a year that he's not supposed to. One game a year that he's not supposed to. And I just get a feeling that that's tonight. All the recipe is shaping up.
2: No, no reason to turn the dial away from the fan. You got Pacers action later tonight, but Countdown to kickoff at 5.30. And then, of course, Colts coverage throughout until it switches over to 97.1 Hank FM, our sister station. The Ride with JMV has you covered until we get to Countdown to kickoff. Thanks to Don Fisher, J.J. Stankovic, Scott Agnes, and Greg Rakestraw. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Fan.